Hey guys, welcome to Bagel Broadcast, episode number 378. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. We're a podcast that comes to you three ways. First, we gather up all the geeky news. You gotta go out to the news garden. You gotta, you gotta plant it in that news garden. Uh, then, we, then we break down the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out October 17th, 2018. And we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week, we're taking a look back at some of the comic books that we read, not just last month, but also the month before that. That's right, guys. It's time for a doubled-up monthly look back again, as we're taking a look back at some of the comic books that came out in the month of August and September. I'm not going to list them all here, because you'll just have to check out the show notes on bagboard.com to see them, or just listen to later on in the episode. I kind of like doing the double look backs because it like it, I'm, I'm it, okay with it. Yeah, it kind of like you get the two together. We have like a good a good mix of books. Uh, but you know what else is a a good mix that we're all drinking something different, and that's beer. And Chris, yeah, we're all drinking beer. Paul, uh, Paul were, was, well, was well, it, were you drinking... crying or was that a sneeze? I couldn't tell. That was a, that was was it just a so be- so beautiful of a segue that you just like yeah. brought you to tears. Wow. Hey, it's I'm drinking a New England IPA, and I've I'm almost finished with this tall boy can that is six point seven percent, and this is from Foreign Objects. This was canned a week and a half ago, and this is. From There's that beer snob coming out. I know, right? Mm-hmm. From stardust to thought form, uh, an ale with hops. And this is really juicy. It still has a nice bittering coming into the beer. Um, just incredibly smooth to drink. I've been just holding out uh, finishing this beer and going into my next beer. Chris, I probably will drink three tonight. Uh, That's okay. Uh, you can keep me updated uh, on what that one is once we get to it. But you actually sent us a picture of this beer on our inter-show uh, Facebook message that we have. And I think you hit the nail right on the head when you said it looks like orange juice because it is like that golden yellow. Uh, and you can't see through it. You cannot see through it. I'm holding it up it's, to the light now and it's like, nope, no light. It's milky clear. Yeah, it's it's really good. Um, foreign objects. I think I, there's only been maybe one that I was kind of like, uh, that's okay. It's still good, but even their their worst beer I've had is better than most beers I've had. Uh, but this is definitely probably in the the middle range of their beers that I've had. Um, probably maybe towards towards the top of that, but. I think uh, I, this is definitely worth a uh, purchase for anyone who can find it. Uh, and I was we were kind of giving breweries a bunch of shit uh, in the pre-show stuff just because it seems like they're running out of names for <laughs> beer. But honestly, now that I've seen it typed out, because I typed up the show notes for it already, uh, Foreign Objects from Stardust to Thought Form sounds like a Coheed and Cambria song. Right. Well, that and my next beer is called Bing Bing, and Chris has just been saying it for the last hour. He'll be just typing, there'll be silence, and he just goes, Bing Bing. It's fun to say. It's like I, Matthew, per- Matthew Perry, right, in France? Yeah. Was that? Chan- he said Bing Bing, right? Chandler Bing. His, la- oh. his last name was Bing. I thought that was his catchphrase. No. I thought he... 
I thought he said bing bing. His catchphrase I'm... was, could it be anymore? Oh. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's what... Maybe could, that's what my could Paul? Is. I've never seen could it. Could Paul be any more confused? Could yes. Paul watch any less friends? It's all about the inflection. It wasn't so uh, much a thing he said. It was much just the tone of it. Mm-hmm. Well, Paul, are, are you ready for your beer? Yeah, yeah. Much like uh, an inflection is how much cinnamon to how much apple do you put in an amber ale is the question I would ask uh, Big Ditch. Because I'm drinking their cinnamon apple uh, amber ale. This is a uh, what uh, I don't a six point five ABV, and it was canned on uh, September twenty fourth, John. Ooh. And, uh, <laughs> just to let you know, hey, nice. <laughs> uh, and this has a good apple quality to it, uh, and just that hint of like that, not a warming cinnamon, but you know one of those like herbal cinnamons, like almost like the dried out cinnamon broom that's been hanging up too long. And you kind of get that cinnamon air, air kind of airy quality. So it's a little lackluster in the cinnamon. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't sound bad, though. It's not bad. It's just like, okay, a cin- a apple cinnamon amber ale. Should I have just gone with an apple cider with a lot of cinnamon in it? And I think I would have been better served doing that than uh, picking this up. But, it, you know, for a six-pack, it was only nine ninety nine. Plus tax and deposit, but you know it's not a bad it's, beer in the can, but it's definitely better in draft. Yeah, that. But how much better should I? But if there was a cinnamon cider, you know, also on draft, or this on draft, wouldn't I still go with the cinnamon cider? Yeah, yeah. Pro- probably. I don't know. I don't right. I don't love. I've I've fallen out of love with ciders lately. I still this, I still appreciate them, but mm-hmm. I have to be in the mood for it. I mean, nothing against them, but it's it's got to be when I want to change a pace, pretty much. Right. Exactly. And you know, I w- I picked up this beer, being like, "Oh, fall, yes, cheer, gonna get it." Ah, cinnamon really apple. Here we go, oh, man. Wow. <laughs> you are hard fucking that cider. <laughs> it's not a cider though, and I took a, drink, a sip of it, and I'm like, I should have just got a cider because that's what I'm actually looking for from this beer. It's not the beer's fault. I'm just asking it to be something it's not, and it's so it's your fault. Okay. It's my fault. You know, that's all okay. I'm saying. It happens, and uh, so I'm going to be on the lookout for a really good cider. Hey, listeners, hey, let us know on the Facebook. Uh, you know, near Christmas when this gets posted, uh, <laughs> where, where can I find a really good fall cinnamon cider? Uh, you know? nineteen eleven cinnamon donut. Ne- then I'll wait until next year when it's re-released because we'll have missed it by then. Uh, nineteen eleven cinnamon donut. Oh, cool! I'm gonna look for that. Is it at stores? Yeah, near where you work, John. Yep. <laughs> okay. I'll pick some up. You gonna pick some up? Yeah, I'll pick some up. I'm bringing home. I'm bringing home some of my pregnant wife so she can drink it after uh, after she squirts that baby out. Squirreling it away. Babies love cider. <laughs> Babies love head rub. Chris, what are you hey, drinking? Chris. What do you love? 
My beer is actually coming in a bomber from Clown Shoes, and this is their Pecan Pie Porter uh, 2018. Uh, aged in bourbon barrels. I've never had their Pecan Pie Porter or Pecan Pie Porter, however you want to say it. That's up to you. You know, whatever. Uh, this is really nice. It's got a nice little nuttiness on it, uh, and then you get that nice bourbon-y vanilla on the back end. Uh, I'm trying to find that on the bottle here. It doesn't say what the ABV is because I'm afraid of drinking this whole bottle right now because I still have two other beers that I want to get to. Oh, 10.5% ABV. Um, so definitely a big boy, but it goes down really smooth. I poured it right when we uh, started recording, and I've already drank like half my glass of it. It's a nice dessert beer, but it's not overly sweet. I think this is a, another hit out of the park from Clown Shoes. They it do smells fantastic. They do such a good job with their barrel aging. They really do. And uh, I think the only time is when we got that infected bottle, Paul, that we haven't been blown away by anything barrel aged from them. Right. But we were still like, it's a pretty good sour. Yeah. Though it shouldn't be a sour. <laughs> it shouldn't be a sour, but it's the, still really good. It was the Arch Druid? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, arch But they were like they were great about it. If you peeled off the sticker from the bottle and sent it to them, they would refund your money. Or if you had your receipt and sent it to them, they would refund your money. Well, I mean that's kind of what happened with my bottle of uh, the brewery's autumn maple, where I think I had like two bottles of it, and they were both like funky, and I like foamed over. Uh, I sent them the information; they sent me a free free tulip glass. And Autumn Maple's back out now, and I'm kind of on the fence about trying it. I almost grabbed it, but I actually grabbed uh, this and some other things that I'll be talking about later on the show instead. Nice. And talking about later on in the show, I think that means it's time for us to get into the news. Wow, we're breaking into that news garden. Yeah. And we're going to talk about... <laughs> get into Old Man McGowan's news garden. He's pulling <laughs> out his rutabagas, parsnips, I don't know what. Paul would go He's in like, the news garden. And, and, oh, what's this? Oh, no. Focus? In, in, in the news garden, Paul would grow shit about computers. That's what <laughs> <laughs> or is it fertilized with shit about computers? I don't even know. Oh, no. All I know is I, I, I went to pull up a, a, a little news article and boom, hit with a, a picture of a guy that looks like Boba Fett wearing green. Hey, this is something that I wasn't expecting. Uh, but I'm happy that it finally happened. We got our first look at John Favreau's Star Wars show that's being done for Disney streaming service, which will be known as Disney Play. Uh, it Is seems, it going yeah. to be known as a Disney Play? Because yeah. it seems like Play. Bob Iger said, oh, you know, a, our Disney Play. And then he said, oh, well, that wasn't actually me announcing it. I was just saying, you know, a Disney, the Disney Play in that area. It wasn't. So it was announced. It's called no, the Disney Play. Yeah, that's cool. the uh, that's the name for it. I mean, it might just be the project name for it, and they might renovate it. But um, okay, it's they've used the name Play for things before, um, mm-hmm. so it's definitely kind of something that falls within that Disney umbrella, like magic or imagination or world. You know, words that they use for everything. Right, right. But yeah, it's magic. it's literally just a screenshot. Of a Mandalorian, you know the armor. It's what Boba Fett wears. Uh, walking through like a market or down a street, holding a gun. Uh, we also got to know a little bit about this, where this is actually going to take place between the original trilogy and the 
the current trilogy. I mean, the sequel trilogy? I don't know, you know what you want to call it. Um, yeah, it's going to take place in the lawless frontier of uh, the edge of space, where the remnants of the Empire retreated back to post-Death uh, Star destruction. Uh, yeah, what's really kind of interesting about this, too, is written and produced by John Favreau, and then he's got a, a nice list of directors for it, uh, Bryce yeah. Dallas Howard and uh, uh, Watiki, um, director of uh, Thor Ragnarok. Not only the two of them will they be directing episodes, but they actually will be in the show as well. Uh, and so will John Favreau. Uh, also announced, too, Dave Filoni, the mind behind Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars Clone Wars, will also be making his live-action Star Wars directorial debut in the show, too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, which is really cool because, I mean, this is a guy that's been stewarding Star Wars to the masses, you know, throughout the dark times when we weren't actually getting movies. So he, he knows the characters, he knows the universe, so definitely have him do something. And uh, I had I had some sad news to break to Paul when Paul was like, uh, you know, it's kind of stupid, you know, he's wearing the, the, the green Boba Fett suit. And I was like, Paul, it's not green at all. And there was uh, some hardship between Paul's colorblindness and the look of the Mandalorian outfit that we get in that still. It looks like it's painted like his hard, the hard points of his armor look like they're painted green. And I was like, no, they're like a coppery brown, reddish brown color, which is, that's your problem is red, browns, and greens. That falls right into my wheelhouse of uh, color difficulty. Yeah, so it looks... Exactly like the Boba Fett outfit, except, you know, he's missing the orange shoulder pad thingy and the, like, cape. Yeah, and he doesn't, like, uh, Boba Fett's kind of got that looser fabric in between the armor, and this guy's got tight fabric. Yeah, he's a little bit more tailored. He's better put together. Or he's just bigger, and it fits him better. Because the whole thing is, it's Boba Fett's wearing Jango Fett's armor, so, you know, it doesn't quite fit him. I guess, and somehow Jango Fett actually might not be a Mandalorian at all. He stole the armor. Who knows? Expanded universe. It's it's legit, or it's not legit. I'm still not sure. Man, it's just weird. Like we have, because I was just curious. Uh, so I just googled. I feel like I lost the Mandalorian IMDb quick. We don't even know who's in this show yet. Uh, we don't even know who the Mandalorian is. It is rumored that um, the um, the guy who's in Narcos and he was in. Um, let me just look this up real quick. I have, you have never watched Narcos. Um, uh, Pedro Pasqual, uh, who was also um, in Game of Thrones. He was uh, Oberon, Oberon. Oh, oh, uh, the dude that uh, gets killed by the mountain. Yep. Uh, it's rumored that he is starring in the in as the Mandalorian. Oh, that'd be cool. Uh, yeah, he's he's really um, he's been around forever. You just like nobody knows, <laughs> nobody really remembers him until he started being like Narcos was his breakout role. Um, being on Game of Thrones. Um, Paul, he's in your favorite movie. That thing you do? The Adjustment Bureau. 
Paul has a lot of favorite movies that we just throw out there because I was about to say Iron Giant. <laughs> Iron Giant. Vin uh, Diesel's best or, role. Or uh, Love Actually is another one. Oh, Love but Actually is Paul, really good. Uh, but Paul, did you say better the, than Love did you say the Great Wall? What, what, what movie when I said your favorite movie? <laughs> I said... I don't even remember. I just threw out a random movie that I've seen. There's only a few. <laughs> hey, it's only a few movies. Uh, uh, but he was in The Kingsman. Like he's he's definitely been making his rounds and definitely being noticed. And this would, I think, this would really solidify him as a a nerd a nerd actor. Um, being in Game of Thrones, being in uh, The Kingsman, being in Star Wars. It all it all adds up. He just needs MCU and a title credit and a Harry Potter or a Wizarding World title credit, and he'd uh, complete the trifecta or right. quadfecta. If, if he's in a Star Wars thing and he's working with John Favreau, like he's he's got his foot in the door over at Disney now. So uh, he's in Wonder yeah. Woman 1984. Oh well, there you go. Well, I mean, speaking of people that are making the jump from. Disney Marvel stuff over to DC just announced that Guardians of the Galaxy writer and director James Gunn's actually going to be handling Suicide Squad 2 over at DC Entertainment. Uh, supposedly he's still in talks for directing. That wasn't confirmed, but he's definitely going to be writing. Uh, writing and producing, I believe, um, if I saw it correctly. And it's also said that it it may be a reboot of the franchise. Yeah, I heard that too. Uh, but also, I think when you approach James Gunn to do something for you, it's kind of like at this point, it's uh, uh, yeah. Why don't you do this? I think, I think Warner Brothers is definitely. If Aquaman doesn't perform well, they might just reboot the whole thing and just leave Wonder Woman as like a standalone thing. Um, well, I mean, because Aquaman looks pretty decent besides the really, really red hair on Mara. Uh, we, Shazam, and we Shazam looks fun. We weren't planning on talking about it, but we did get that extended uh, Aquaman trailer. I saw that it was posted. I haven't watched it yet, though. It, I haven't watched it. I saw the classic costume poster, though. Yeah, I saw that, too. The trailer, it definitely has... Um, it, it it lingers a too a little bit too long on scenes where you think they're giving too much away, and uh, the director even came out to say like trailers are meant to spoil stuff. But if you think you saw everything in the trailer, you're great bravely mistaken. Uh, and I think all the our fr- the first time we saw the the first trailer, we all said the CGI doesn't look that eh, it looks a little iffy. Everything looks like crystal clear and beautiful in this. The CGI looks great. It's more polished at this point. Yeah, and I think That's good. I, the this latest trailer made me a little more interest. It made me a lot more interested in seeing it. And I have to say, as stupid as Black Mana's costume is, they nail it. You see a really good shot of it um, in the trailer, and it's like, yeah, that's Black Mana. It's perfect. It, they couldn't they couldn't make it any better than it already is. Uh, I'm looking forward to Aquaman and Shazam and I mean we've talked about everything that's happened with James Gunn previously on the show I I would like to see him handle like a Suicide Squad movie if it's a like a relaunch or like a soft reboot of it that's okay with me too because I still haven't seen the original Suicide Squad and you don't I, prob- 
I, I won't until we have to watch it for the inevitable DC great movie retrospective. Because that's going to be a thing. Um, I did see... I, I own the movies now on DVD. <laughs> you, All four. Uh, the four Batman and the, uh, the original Superman, the uh, Richard Donner cut of Superman 2, and uh, Superman Returns. I don't own Superman 3 or 4. Uh, you, I, I don't, you shouldn't buy those. I don't, I don't but, think. But, I, yeah, I mean, they're, they'd be fun to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, we we should watch them. Yeah, but we should if, if we can get together. Them. If we can get together and all kind of watch them in some easy like bootleg version and just ship it between us, because no one should have to purchase those movies. I, I think next time I come down, we'll just pre-record that episode. <laughs> we'll, we'll get some beer. We'll watch it on the couch. We'll just talk about them. The only thing that the only thing we that's could do good a about live commentary, like we did for. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China. The only thing that's good... Yeah, we could. The only thing that's good about um, Superman 3 is you get, like, Chris Reeves playing a bizarro Superman. Mm. He plays bizarro. Uh, is that the one where he's in Niagara Falls? I think, I think that's four. Oh. I don't even know. I haven't yeah. seen them since they were on like TBS when I was like seven or eight. No, it's got to be. It's got to be two because that's when Lois. Because in two, Lois knows that he's Clark. Uh, that, that Clark is Superman. Oh, so that happens in the f- second movie, I believe. Then I've never seen any parts of three or four. Then <laughs> it's okay. Uh, but yeah, James Gunn. I'm excited that it was. It was a given that he was going to be picked up by Warner Brothers for the DC Universe. Um, Suicide Squad, I think, is a good fit for him because he's definitely a director and writer who can write, you know, a, a character's voice and have them all stand alone. And I think, especially in like a weird Ray take group, I mean, yeah, definitely as evidenced by by Guardians, mm-hmm. and uh, and that that tone would fit so well too. I I yeah, think because... the only other thing I'd like to see him do, I think he could do really well, would be like a Green Lantern movie. But you can't. He's already done Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy. He could. He could never do that without people yeah. saying, "Oh, you're doing another space, you know, a space comedy yeah. action movie thing." Well, th- this kind of fits in with something else that you had mentioned for the news. Uh, word coming out from CBS that they are going to be doing a Secret Six TV show, which fits kind of alongside Suicide Squad. Yeah. Well, so I, I don't know like how how they're going to try to balance that, but especially with Deadshot being on that team, they've already done a Suicide Squad in Arrow. Oh, and we should also talk about um, we got our first glimpse of the Batwoman costume that looks great. Oh, that actually, yeah, that looks really good. Uh, over on is it in Arrow or is it? I, on, like, I, it's going to be show. a crossover event. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know where it was actually like starting off. From. It's like a backdoor pilot. Like she's appearing in that, and then she'll have her own spinoff show. Uh, but but that, yeah, it, it looks like Batwoman, and it it looks good. Oh, the suit looks it looks like the best suit they've they've produced for that sh- any of those shows. Yeah, um, it's spot on. Yeah. So Secret Six, I'd be interested to see how they're gonna do the secret six because of everything that was set up in that original the original book series and then everything that happened but it's, the thing is I mean yeah they've had some like lesser known characters like Catman in there 
But for the most part, it's been like the DC like heavy hitter villains like Bane, Harley Quinn, uh, who is manipulating the team. Uh, Lex Luthor, mm-hmm. like Mockingbird in it. So I'm Paradigm, I'm intrigued, know. right? Uh, but also, what's kind of funny is it's being produced by Bill Lawrence, who, if you don't know his name, he's the guy that's responsible for Scrubs. <laughs> but this is gonna, but this no, but this is gonna be like an actual drama series though. It's not going to be like kitschy Zach Braff. Like, I mean, if it was, I think that would still be, I want them to have the same theme song. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I'm no Superman, you know, it just works. It works. That's, that's probably how they got him in the door. Like, uh, so you mentioned Superman cause that's actually his band. Oh really? Yeah. (laughs) So who's dealer or not? Who's John McGinley going to play? Oh, Flash. Flash. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It'd be interesting to see. It'll be a different Flash from a different universe, though, because then he can... So he's going to be, stuff. like, uh, the evil Flash, Johnny whatever, from Earth I, 2? I just wanted to say Johnny Rockets, but that's a crappy diner. <laughs> oh, man. Some good stuff. We Well, we could pick out... Uh, who we think is going to be on the team all day. But we've got actual nominees. An actual list for you guys to listen to as I read boringly <laughs> on, on the line into your ear holes. Uh, so the Strong Museum of, the National Museum of Play here in Rochester, New York, uh, nominates 12 toys, or a, a group of toys. I thought it was to, six. To be, well, I was wrong when I said it. Yeah, you, but you only you double that number. Only two to three will actually make it into the Hall of Fame from this list of finals. So get ready. Oh, right, these man. are the finalists. Okay, I'm pouring, so, I'm pouring, I'm pouring some ready? of my pecan pie porter. Each and okay, mail, yeah. So go ahead. As and soon list. as I read this list, I'm going to need to drink myself. So I'm going to go get my pumpkin. Uh, this the American Girl dolls. This is in alphabetical mm, order. Okay. You yeah. know, created back in 1986 by. Uh, a Too much information. Just yep. We know. Uh, yeah. Here, you you say the name, and then Chris and I go yes or no if we're voting for it. No. Okay. No. Chalk. No. Mm, no. Shoots and ladders. Mm, that, the board game. It's a maybe. I would come back to that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I might have to explain this one. The Fisher Price Corn Popper. Oh no! Everyone it's knows the thing that. on the blue stick. With yeah. the bubble? Yeah, that you and push around and it pops. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Okay. I'm going to say yes, yeah, yeah. That's a yes. The magic eight ball. Ooh. Ooh, yes. That's a maybe. That, that's a if yes I get, If I get two to three, and we're only through four or five of these. <laughs> then you have to cut it down, and we'll do a power ranking. It's fine. Okay. Masters of the Universe. Oh, yes. The complete toy line. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, especially after watching the toys that made us. Yes. Pinball. No, because I'm not Paul McGowan. <laughs> you son of a gun! <laughs> the sled. Ooh, too broad. It's just too broad. Uh, that goes from everything from uh, the old school, uh, you know, wings to the saucers. I think. Like I that. think that should be a yes. Uh, Tic Tac Toe. No. No, it's not a toy. It was created by the ancient Egyptians. Okay. Tickle Me Elmo. No. No. Created first by Tycho. Tycho Toys. You guys remember them? 
Yeah. I do. Crazy. I was a child once. Uh, it should be in the Hall of Infamy for leading to people getting trampled at Toys R Us's, which is coming back, by the way, sidebar. Yeah. Uh, we can geek. Supposedly. Uh, Jeffrey's Toy Box, whatever they're calling it. Yeah, well, they're going to keep the brand. They're they're selling off everything else, but they're keeping the branding. Jeffrey, the the draft, they're keeping and the name Toys R Us and Babies R Us. They're keeping the branding. Yeah. They're hoping to sell it off. The holding company is hoping to keep that going and then reopen some limited stores. God, um, I, I remember Tickle Me Elmo being like, "The have to have a toy. Of all have to have it toys." And then also years after that, them just trying to recapture that by Elmo doing different stuff. Yeah, like break dancing Elmo. Or he's or something never, like that. never the same. He's dressed up in different things. Like he's dressed up as a chicken. I know because I have, yeah, I have one of those for my unborn child. That's weird. It is. Well, you should have, what you should have for your unborn child is a two door electric football. You know, that oh, shaking okay. football table. Ooh. Yeah, that, that's cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that would be that, good. That, that would be, be that's a, that's in a maybe. There, there's a remake of this, uh, that whole thing coming out soon. Uh, well, that looks good. That's a no. That one wouldn't be in it. Okay. Uh, Uno is the last one on the nominations list. Ooh. Uno's, no. Uno's a good game. Yeah. Uno, and it has many a spinoff. I own X-Men Uno. I, I used to have Hulk Uno. Um, John's sister got it for me for, I can't remember if it was my birthday or Christmas. Probably. Okay. So, uh, the popcorn stick. You get three. The popcorn stick. Master okay, of the Universe. Master of the Universe, definitely. And Sled. Um, yes to Masters of the Universe. The Popcorn Popper. And I can't remember what the other one I was like. Yeah, definitely was. Yep, Magic 8-Ball. Magic 8-Ball, yeah. That's that's a classic. Sled, I feel, is just too broad. Like, you just take a piece of wood and be like, yep, it's a sled. A sled is just something that you go down a hill. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, we've been doing it forever. Yeah, who hasn't? Yeah, but you know what? Who hasn't? We've been doing you know tic-tac-toe for Nobody really loves tic-tac-toe. The garbage can laid. Tic-tac-toe is something that you do when you're fucking bored. Sledding? We you always have a good time sledding. Remember when we went sledding on ice and I thought I broke my knee? That was amazing. <laughs> that was fun. I had those saucers from my childhood and we went down ice hills uh, backwards. I mean. It's it's fun. I just don't I don't know if it belongs. Like here's the thing: I never had an eight ball. I would shake up somebody else's eight ball. I'd ask <laughs> two things, and then I'd be like, "It keeps saying ask again later. I'm not going to do that. Fuck this, and give it I'd, give it away." I do want to ask you this question: When was the magic eight ball introduced? Because it's 1964. Like, John, what's your guess? Uh, I would say 72. 1946. Whoa! This is a post-war invention, <laughs> which is good because it wasn't. Because if it came out during the war, kids would be constantly shaking it. Man, will my daddy come home? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Paul, Ask what again are, later. What are your yeses, though? Uh, pinball. Yeah, we know that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Pinball, pinball, and more pinball. <laughs> yeah, pinball, Uno, and then. I- you know what? I'll I'll give it to the corn popper. I just yeah, of, I thought I would have to explain it to you guys, but apparently everybody knows what it is. I feel yep. like weird. But I had one, or my little brother had one. 
There was one in the house, and I know there was one in, like, every house that I went to as a kid visiting. Well, they, they, like, updated it when I, like, well, we were all, when we were, like, probably five to seven, somewhere in there, and they made it Mm -hmm. an actual, like, vacuum cleaner that you would do that, and it would shoot tiny little balls up. Do you guys remember that one? I don't. No. Or maybe I do. I don't, it's just, like, in that nebulous memory spot where... Yeah, we're talking- I always imagine just like the dome one, though. Yeah, it's just dome. We're yeah. literally talking about thirty years ago, so <laughs> that's true. Uh, like, guess what? This came over out over sixty years ago in nineteen fifty-seven. <laughs> that's when this thing was first produced. Man, the corn oh. popper. So, I, I kind of want to give it to chalk as well, but it's just chalk. You know it's yeah, chalk. you just give it to it's pencil. It's a great toy, though. No, I mean chalk's great. Nobody's knocking chalk, but I'll knock chalk. <laughs> that shit's chalky. I don't like. That's on you. Uh, was there anything else that we got to talk about? I mean, there's other stuff that happened, but uh, guys, aren't you looking forward to Thanksgiving? Always, you know. It's the one time a year you can eat stuffing, Paul. Yeah, exactly. And watch a whole bunch of new episodes of MST3K. Six new episodes hidden Netflix. Yay! Have they mentioned uh, like what movies it's going to be, or are they just saying like, "Oh, there's more coming up"? Because I'm okay with uh, just more, but I'd like uh, to know what. I don't see a list here on the uh, Ars Technica article that I'm reporting for that I gathered this news from, which they gathered from the AV Club reports, which you know. Sometimes, uh, you know, you go to the farmer's market and you pick up news. Uh, uh, all the people that were involved with uh, season 11 are coming back for season 12. Which is a given. Uh, which will be great. I mean, I, I, we all love MST3K. It's one of those, uh, just those fan favorites for us. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad to see that they're coming back again. Yeah, I've, I've watched, like, the new quote-unquote season on Netflix twice now. Once when it just, when it debuted, and then I rewatched it again just to to have it, because that it's like going home again. It's so great. Uh, it's not my favorite seasons of it, but, you know, it, more Mystery Science Theater is just great, because it's more Mystery Science Theater. And those goes... Which did, the, did, those, did you guys see there's a Mystery Science Theater 3000 comic book coming out? I did see that. I, I did see that, too, and I'm I don't know what to expect from it. I don't know if I want to buy it, though. It's weird. Yeah. It's cashing in, because apparently, on Thanksgiving Day in 1988, was the very first premiere in Minnesota's market of the very first Mystery Science Theater 3000. And that's why this is being released on Thanksgiving Day again. Well, that that was the first time that I saw uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, is I went, we went to my grandmother's house... And we were going to stay the night there, and uh, we were just flipping through the channels because we were bored as hell, and we came across the show, and we, my dad was like, this is great. I loved it. My sister loved it. My grandmother absolutely hated that we were watching it, didn't like anything about it, and sat in an empty room by herself as we <laughs> watched this show and we just paid her no mind because she's not a wow, great Wow, that, that was some spite sitting that she did. Oh, there. she totally did. Eh, not the greatest person in the world. 
fairly awful. Spite sitting uh, is definitely the episode title. <laughs> I'm saying it now. Spite sitting. Uh, Love it. Um, I, I will say I discovered Mystery Science Theater 3000 once it made its debut over on the Sci-Fi Channel. I didn't see the originals or the Comedy Central one at all, but I don't remember which episode was the first one I saw. But I did the late work like a couple years ago. Where I was like, oh, I actually started watching it like right after it debuted. And that kind of just became the weekly thing that we did at my house. Like it, they, uh, it would show on Saturdays in the morning. And then again, in like the late evening, like late afternoon, maybe I can't remember when it was. Uh, but my family, like Saturdays, we would go get pizza and wings, sit down and eat dinner while we watch mystery science theater. And then I would like, have to like tie my bathroom and go and get to get a drink breaks like for the commercials. So I love seeing commercial sign. Uh, yeah. When, after we saw it for Thanksgiving, it was probably a year or two later that out, out in Buffalo, we finally started getting comedy central. And my, when we, my parents are divorced and we go spend the weekend with my dad. And I remember my dad going, you guys won't believe it. That show with the robots is here. And we did the same thing. We would get pizzas every Saturday night and we would, we would watch, um, are you afraid? Like, are you afraid of the dark? Ren and Stimpy. And then we would turn it over because at like nine or 10 o'clock is when Mr. Science theater played. And we would watch that. And then if we missed it, it played again Sunday morning. So like after church, we'd be all sitting there with cold pizza, uh, watching, uh, Mr. Science theater 3000. And yeah, I actually wasn't, I didn't watch, uh, the sci-fi channel ones because I didn't have the sci-fi channel then. And it was like, it, it wasn't the same for me because it was a totally new show. And I mean, I, I started watching with Joel like I remember how heartbroken we all were when it was the final Joel episode. But then I came on last on that show. I I was from Mike only. I saw it only on Sci-Fi, and that was because uh, friends, old producer Scott, and a friend of the show, or nope, just friend, a friend of mine, just uh, Matt. Our friend. Uh, just our friend, uh, Matt, introduced it to me. Uh, and I would go over to Matt's house on Sunday mornings, and we would watch it there during high school. So it was... And then we watched the whole movie marathon, and we were very sad when it was uh, when it was ending. And we made up a big pot of rice and had <laughs> yeah. that for dinner. You just got to have some, uh, some white rice. Uh, we, can, we can probably push through these news pretty quick, but uh, Dark Phoenix trailer uh, came out. With a uh, a date that the movie was going to air, and then two days later it got pushed back. Uh, but I mean, this movie's been pushed back a couple times, and internet chicken little sky is falling. Like, oh, the movie's doomed. The movie's doomed. Uh, went back for reshoots, but every movie goes back for reshoots now. Like, that's not a big deal. And then people are like, well, maybe now because Disney's buying Fox, like that's going to push it back, and we won't see it. But Apparently, just with how laws work, anything that was in the pipeline before, like they still have to keep working on that. So I don't think they're doing it out of any kind of like necessity, but 
they obviously believe in this movie. It doesn't look bad though. I'm just well, it looks like X three. But that's the thing. Like, I'm weirded out by the fact that like we already got this movie like ten years ago. So why why do we have to do it again? I mean, I know they did the reset with Days of Future Past. I didn't watch any of those movies though, so I don't I don't know. But I don't. Why well, need to tell like the same story twice, but dwelling in the same universe? That just boggles my mind. Yeah it it doesn't it doesn't look that great, and it looks like a really big rehashing of X three. Um, uh, and then we got the uh, Hellboy Hellboy poster. Legend yeah, this legendary this, as as fuck. Legendary this as actually AF. Like, made me like really excited because I knew they were redoing Hellboy. I think we actually talked about it on the show before uh, with David Harbour from Stranger Things as the titular Hellboy. But seeing this poster, I was like, yep, that's Hellboy. Uh, and then I, I read stuff from the panel that happened at New York uh, City Comic Con where they're like, well, we talked about do we just do a continuation or do we reboot it? And yes, this is a reboot and that's why it's called just Hellboy, but it's very much in the same vein as the original Hellboys we had with Ron Coleman. Uh, yeah, and those were good. And they said, "I like those." those. Are all, they're, they're so much fun. And they said, "Solid." Uh, Mike Manola said, "As uh, as being as respectful as we can to what Guillermo del Toro did, we also want to be respectful to this new horror uh, director who's coming in. That he should be able to make his own movie." And he also mm-hmm. said that we took the look at um, the scripts that uh, Guillermo del Toro had written, and we we took a couple elements of things that he thought would be fun to do, and we took those and we worked um, with making a script. Mike Manola also said that he had a little more insight into making this movie than he did with Guillermo del Toro. But I thought it was interesting that he said, like, oh, we took some of Guillermo del Toro's scripts like, Guillermo del Toro had written multiple scripts for more Hellboy movies. But that's the thing, like, Guillermo del Toro just likes to make movies. He just likes to do stuff. I'm still waiting for them to do the Haunted Mansion movie that he said oh. he was doing, like, eight years ago. Well, that, that's probably going to so be right I, after I uh, the Halo movie he said he was going to do. <laughs> think, and Dark, Dark Justice probably, League. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that one, too. I think there's just like enough stuff that they've worked on in the past that they can kind of bring back and Hellboy Two golden army definitely watches a lot more like a Guillermo del Toro movie than it does a Hellboy movie, but it still worked. It was still a lot of fun. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to this one though. And then, uh, something that is, uh, a favorite of Chris and mine. Uh, we both picked up the new, uh, book, uh, Umbrella Academy. Look forward to next month's look back where we'll review that mm-hmm. book. But uh, we got some poster stills and stills from the show uh, Umbrella Academy, and that's gonna uh, coming out on Netflix. On Netflix, and that it looks from from what you can tell, it looks fairly well done. Uh, it, it it does, and it's I mean they're TV stills, so. It's it's not the best presentation for it, but yeah, it looks like an Umbrella Academy show one, and it seems to be definitely following the threads from the very first Umbrella Academy, like the Apocalypse Suite. 
Yeah. And I think that wrap that'll wrap up news, right? Yeah, we can wrap we can wrap it up. We can take the the produce that we've scrolled away from old man McGowan. Wrap it up <laughs> with some, some burlap. Yeah. You know, grab you know, maybe grab a bottle or two and uh celebrate our our our, our, uh, our newsing. And we can look so forward celebrate to, uh, our newsing. We can break down the comic books that uh we're looking forward to, right, Jen? Yeah. As I grab a beer. I'm sorry, I'm writing down celebrating our newsing, because that's a pretty good episode title as well. Uh, but also, another great title would be Bing Bing! And that's bing, the bing. beer I'm having. This is from Zero Gravity Brewing. This is Bing Bing! Uh, bing Bing! 6.8% IPA. This is brewed with Pilsner malt, oats, and American wheat. And this is very, very nice. Um, it has very smooth, creamy body up front, and then this really nice, sharp, tangerine tart pop on the back end. Uh, I sent another picture. It's fairly cloudy. Um, it's very nice. It's an easy, easy drinking uh, Vermont IPA. And... Uh, yeah. That also looks very, very orange. Not as orange juicy as uh, it's definitely the, from thought to star stardust. From star to from stardust to thought form. That was it. Uh, no, no. Drink a lot of orange beers today. I like my New Englands, and I brought home three different ones, and I probably will open up my next one because we got a lot of books to review. Yeah, we got we got a good amount of books to talk about still. Uh, I think Paul's back, but I want to hear what you're I, drinking, Chris. I will talk about my beer next then, because Paul hasn't confirmed anything. Uh, when I went to my beer store last week to get beers to have and to have for the show, I was ecstatic when I saw that they had an end cap put together of beers from New York. And one of those just happened to be Southern Tier Brewing Company's Cold Press Coffee Pumpkin. Uh, this is their pumpkin, but it's been brewed with uh, light roasted coffee. So I was really excited to see this because I can always get the regular version of pumpkin uh, and Warlock down here. And I want to say last year they had the Rum Barrel Age Pumpkin, a.k.a. Rum King. I don't think I bought it. Maybe I did. I don't know. It was a year ago. Did we uh, bring you down a bottle? I don't think so. I don't think that was one of them. I, I remember it was like a lot of like, cans. I got some single cut stuff. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of uh, juice bombs. Because the Rum King's only uh, in the Big Bomber. And I think I, we might have one in the beer cellar, John? Is there one in the beer cellar? I don't remember. Of the Rum Kings. That's okay. But I, I introduced. I, I'm sorry. I interrupted. No, no worries. I, I'm just glad to know that you're back, so I don't have to fill too much more time. Uh, I love coffee. I drank a pot of it today because I was off from work, so hey, why not? And I love me some pumpkin. I love some pumpkin beers. It's the best time of year for that. And I didn't really know what to expect with this going into it. And Paul, you went to a Southern Tier Beer Fest where they yeah, had this on tap. The Pumpkin Fest. Uh, I went Two the very ago. first year that they really, uh, but I also went this year. Uh, the very first year that they had uh, cold press coffee, and I thought it was like a 
oh, it's only for this event. And I got some, and I'm like, okay, it's probably good that it's only here for the event. And then I saw it everywhere, and I'm like, ugh, I don't but, know if I'd want to pull a four-pack. But that was the first thing. Like, as soon as I saw you put up that picture on your Instagram, I was like, ooh, how's, how's the cold roast coffee one? Because there's just something about that. I mean, you can call me, like, a basic white girl, but I love me, like, a pumpkin spice latte. So That's it true. just makes sense to, like, have that melded together. But this is a lot more of a black coffee flavor with that kind of yammy pumpkin note on the back end. It's not overly sweet. It's not overly, like, spicy. And I don't mean any kind of, like, hot, but Mm -hmm. when you think of pumpkin spice, you think of, like, the cinnamon, nutmeg, allspice, like, spice bomb. But this is, like, a black coffee with that yam pumpkin beer on the back end. And it's weird because they don't melt together, but they both kind of stand out alongside each other. Exactly. I, I like it though, but I don't love it. But mm-hmm. this is my final bottle of it because I drank the rest of them over the week, and I had to make sure I saved one for tonight. But it's weird, but I like it. Paul, Paul, that, steer me, steer me right, steer no, me right on. No, this. no, you're exactly right. That was my problem with it was that I felt I felt like the coffee and the pumpkin didn't actually play well together there was no good mix and at, at this year's uh pumpkin fest down southern here they had a cinnamon pumpkin uh, and a chai tea pumpkin uh the cinnamon pumpkin were straight up just cinnamon all the way and then again it would kind of finish with that little bit of pumpkin yummy sweetness and then that spice that pumpkin spice and i was like it's good if i really wanted a really good cinnamon beer kind of like a uh, dark of the moon mm-hmm. was back in the day um and then the chai tea, I thought, would work the best. And I was really hoping to see chai tea out there this year. Yeah, that makes in sense. In bottles, because I... Just because that that one actually does meld really well. It just... The, the, for whatever reason, the chai tea spice and the pumpkin spice and the yam flavor work really well. Uh, yeah, the cold brew. I don't know. It just... The coffee doesn't add anything for for it, me over just, the regular pumpkin. It's such a bold flavor profile that just kind of like it sticks its head in and it's like Fini! Like it's there. Mm-hmm. And then you get the pumpkin after. Like it's a weird melding. But like I said, I, I love coffee and I like pumpkin beers and this definitely fits both those molds, but it's bizarre. Like you know those uh, boxes of nerds that have two flavors? Oh yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes you like to mix them. Sometimes you're like, nope. One side I open up first, and yeah. then I'll get to the other side. It's like that, except they both taste so distinct. Like, as soon as you take, like, a, a handful of them, you're like, I taste both nerds. That's what this is. It's super weird. Um, Paul, the first time you had the coffee, you actually brought a crowler back. and we Yeah, because... And we shared it. And we both mm-hmm. were very unimpressed with it. It tasted like they were using like a coffee extract. Like it just tastes like they added coffee flavoring to it. And then it was the next year that they actually put it in bottles. Ah, oh, okay. Um, so this is the second year for. So there's hope. There's hope that I might get the chai tea. I think pumpkin. I think you're probably going to see the chai tea pumpkin next year, and you might not see warlock. Uh, but. What, I'd be okay I, I, with that. Yeah, I'd be okay with making that sacrifice. And that's speaking as someone who hasn't had the chai tea pumpkin. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's pretty good. It's definitely, I think they might have done it last year at the Pumpkin Fest too, Paul. They kind of uh, went, I missed that last they year. went to perfect it. They did it again this year and it's actually, they've been putting it out into bars in our area and you could get it on tap. And I've had a lot of people coming and asking for it. Warlock has, in the last couple of years, has really dropped off, which is there. Basically, it's, so Pumpkin is a pumpkin spiced ale. They take all the spices and. Oh, which I'm drinking right now. Uh, they take all uh-huh. those spices and that <clears throat> pumpkin and then they put it into a stout. So it's the exact. Oh, the which I'll be drinking later. Yeah. And I, I mean, we've always said when we've reviewed those beers every fall for the show, every year it's hard to decide which one you like more. Do you like the the Warlock? Do you like the the Pumpkin? We've always been. It's always been a neck and neck race. And uh, I think next year you're probably going to see a drop off. You might not see any Warlock, but you'll see the Chai Tea. Paul, Paul, what are you, what are you drinking? I'm drinking the original and still the Crown King, the Pumpkin Imperial Pumpkin Ale from Southern Tier, uh, vintage 2018, because it actually is stamped on the bottle, vintage 2018, 8.6 alcohol by volume. And this is, it's a good yam flavored, because it's not a pumpkin flavored beer. It's a yam flavored beer, but it has that good pumpkin spice on it. It gives you a little bit of hint of vanilla, uh, a little bit of sweetness. It's... It's my go-to for pumpkin beers. Uh, I do want to get down to Voodoo Brewery though and pick up Caution contains real pumpkin, pumpkin, because that is also that is a really good barrel-aged pumpkin beer. That was and really good. I last saw year. your, I saw your post about their barrel-aged collection being released again today, and then I looked at their post, I uh, looked at their Facebook page, and they're like, "Yep, all sold out of all bottles." And I'm like, "Of course <laughs> it is," because. You guys release it on a freaking Thursday at like two o'clock. People are working so far away. I know. It's just a tease. I, I just started carrying their product in my beer store, so I'm hoping to meet the beer rep and hopefully mm-hmm. make friends so they can let us know ahead of time, Paul. So we can get right. down there and get some. Well they I know they do it on purpose because they do the people that run Voodoo Brewery hate the idea of people buying their beer sitting on it trading it selling it and not just drinking not buying the stuff that they're going to drink themselves they hate that idea so much that they actually have a list of people they no longer sell to when they find out that people are trading their beer away or selling it online like i had to show my id and get checked up against that list when i tried to buy caution real pumpkin last year i'm like oh can i have two bottles they're like sure can we see your id again and i'm like okay <laughs> is it because you're ringing up another transaction she's like no we just got to check the list and i'm like oh what now <laughs> well it's because apparently the sec- people will go in there the secondary beer market is insane and there's people who it's super highly reviewed people love it so what People go, they buy a ton of it, and then they'll sell it for a single can upwards to $40, $50 for a single beer. And, pe- and people who want that beer will pay that. It's a ridiculous secondary market. And the breweries, they're like, you know, we want we want everybody to have this. We were nice enough to mm-hmm. sell you these beers, and now 
we feel like you're you're making profit off of our beer, which shouldn't that shouldn't be happening. You should be buying this beer to drink. And I mean, it's it's something mm-hmm. I I deal with this with my job, but it's like it it does drive me nuts because the beer the beer world that we used to live in was you've never had this here try this and we've always been that way with our friends and people have always been that way with us in the in the different beer places that we've gone to and it's just uh it it it's just a different a different world now where people are like oh i can get this and i can make money on this and, well did you see that whole facebook page for the announcement of them selling that beer it was all iso for this iso for this I don't know what ISO means. I thought it was the girl In, from Start uh, from uh, Tron Legacy, but you in know. search of in search of okay. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about because I didn't see those posts. But when you say I ISO, okay. I just I read that as like in search of okay in search of Sasquatch. That was a guess in search of. <laughs> so yeah, like almost all the posts were like asking people to pick it up. Which I guess is, I kind of figured that's what ISO meant. Like, I want it, but I didn't know what ISO stood for. But In Search Of makes sense. So we're going to use it from now on. Uh, thank you, Chris. In Search Of this. With Leonard Nimoy kicking out the jams. <laughs> <laughs> trade. For trade. Available for trade. And they were offering stuff. And it was like crazy. That's all that was listed on that Facebook discussion. on that. So... Uh, but pumpkin's uh, good. Yeah, pumpkin. Comic good. books are good. Oh, not to like pause the uh, the show, but pumpkin this year is really good. And because mm-hmm. I picked up a four pack of pumpkin before, I picked up a four pack of warlock. Pumpkin was better this year than I remember being last year. And oh, I, I think it's the best out of like the past three years. It's it's hard because you can just go off of like faded memories, like year to year, but. Mm-hmm. I don't remember enjoying pumpkin as much last year as I did this year having it. I'm I don't know. Like that's because be Chris. That's because you didn't have a pumpkin hat. I just gave it to you, so you're wearing <laughs> the hat while you're drinking the beer, right? That's that's true. Okay. I've thought I've thought about going into my local beer store wearing the Southern Tier like uh, <laughs> like Dickie shirt and the hat, and be like, nope, gotta take this out. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Got got to pull it. I work for the company. Uh, there's a recall. I gotta I gotta inspect it all. Gotta bring it. I, I haven't though because I respect where I got that hat and work shirt from. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Remember but, when we would age pumpkin and then try yeah. it as a vertical? Yeah, that was the yeah. thing we used to do. You gotta do what you gotta do. And, the and thing- we gotta talk about some books. Let's talk about some books. Uh, I am looking forward to a book coming from Image that uh, is not coming out on October 17th. Surprise, everyone. None of us are picking up a book October 17th. Um, it's not a surprise. It's a spoiler. Oh. Uh, but I am picking up a book that came out from Image back in June called Die, 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 Number One. And this is... Uh, a Robert Kirkman book um, coming out from Image. Screenshots. There it is. Here it is. It won't load. There it is. 
Uh, this is from Robert Kirkman, Scott Gimple, and art by Chris Burnham and Nathan Fairbain. And this is a um, a blood will flow, bullets will fly, and the mayhem will never end. Die, die, die brings all the action you could ever want. Uh, I wanted to pick this pick up when issue two came out because there's a Bruce Lee-esque gentleman whose nose has been cut off, shirtless, about to kick somebody's ass. And I went, what the hell is this book about? Uh, and I added issue one to my wish list, and uh, that's going to be my pick because it seems like it could be fun. I'm, I'm sure we will read this for the October look back. Probably not, because it came out in June. <laughs> okay, <laughs> never mind. I didn't realize it was that long ago. You guys want to hear about another book that we're not going to read for the lookly, uh, monthly look back? No, but maybe a trade in policy? Uh, no, because I bought it in a physical form. So it probably won't be a trade in policy. Also, because... It's not really one of those books that you would read and talk about the story or anything like that. Uh, this is, uh, I'm picking up, because I already picked it up and I finally <laughs> got it shipped to me, DC's Anatomy of a Metahuman. Uh, this is written and illustrated by Bruce Wayne, Batman himself. This is uh, basically the first, the first volume of a series of uh, breakdowns of Bruce Wayne's sketches of uh, different parts of uh, metahuman uh, autonomy and how they, he believes their physiology allows them to do such superhuman, a.k.a. metahuman feats. And he has breakdowns in here of uh, Cyborg, Superman, Aquaman, um, the Cheetah, some of the cold, like Mr. Freeze... And stuff like that. Uh, and basically, when you start reading this book, it's like, hey, if you have this book, that means something horribly wrong has happened. And if something horribly wrong has happened, you might be facing Superman or, or, or one of these other, uh, Martian Manhunter, or some of these other uh, crazy creatures. And the reason I wrote it down as a book is because, you know, there's people out there that can easily hack the interwebs and, and the back computer, so I have to put it in... Just, you know, analog only. Uh, it's actually co- kind of a fun, cool book to just do open up to, you know, just open up to a random page and just start reading the crazy scribblings of Bruce Wayne and his most paranoid thoughts about, yeah, his eyes must have like a different cone or shape and absorb solar rays this way for him to create the heat vision. So to uh, block that, you would have to like do this to his eyes real quick, you know. So it's a fun kind of... It's not a fun read. It's a fun look-through. Uh, it reminds me of those old... Uh, back when we were in like middle school, maybe elementary school, those encyclopedia-like style books of like the breakdowns of how the droids would work from Star Wars, where they would show the insides of the droids. You know, the bigger white books, and I think they were called encyclopedias... You guys remember those I got at all, or have you tuned me out? Completely? No, I, I remember what you're talking about because it was like yeah, they were done like encyclopedias, where it was like it would be like a white book, hardcover, a little bit thicker, yep. and it just had like almost like static images on the cover. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, I, I remember. I know what you're talking about. It would have like blueprints to X wings and how the wings yeah. fold out. Yeah. So it's basically that, but written by Bruce Wayne about DC character, these other DC comic book characters. It's kind of fun. I wouldn't say you would read it. I wouldn't <laughs> sit there and go page by page. I would just open it up to a random uh, page and then kind of like look through and say, "Oh, look at that." It's like, like I did with my nephew the other day. It's like one of those, like, um, the DC or Marvel encyclopedias where you'd be like, you just open up to a random page and you'd be like, oh, Cable. Oh, here's his stats, his first appearance, that. Oh, what about um, Sunspot? And then you'd go to that Sunspot page and you'd look that up. It's not something you'd go page to page looking up, but you'd look up right. characters that you're like, what about this guy? It's not that... It, it's very in-depth into each of the characters, and there's only, like, maybe, I don't know, uh, a, a level of char- a number of characters that would be introduced to uh, introduced to the Toy Hall of Fame. So, uh, let's see here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Nope, conclusion's 13. So there's only 12 characters covered in this, <laughs> this book. <laughs> 13 was conclusion. So, there you go. So, but he goes pretty in-depth. Like, Superman, how he's able to fly, how his eyes work, how his lungs would work. Like, so there's a couple pages devoted to each of them. But, you know, I, I, it's it's a gorgeous illustration. It's done by uh, Ming Doyle. And, uh, you know what? It's got some pretty decent... It's okay writing by uh, S.D. Perry and Matthew K. Manning. Uh, it was fifty dollars US. Whoa. It's a little expensive, so I do believe it's a little expensive. But if you have fond memories of those white books by the Encyclopedia whatever group, and you want that from uh, with the superheroes uh, with Batman's kind of take on it, I think it's worth the money. Uh, it's one of those things where I'm going to have out and I'm going to page through it's a every once in a while. Book. But I'm never going to read the whole thing. I'm never going to see every single page. And maybe so it's not worth it. I don't know. I I think I've talked a little too much, but I don't know yet. Chris, what's your favorite book this month? Or this week? Well, I don't know if it's going to be my favorite book, but it's definitely something I'm looking forward to. Because I don't read Spider-Man books often. I tend to only pick up the big Spider-Man crossovers. And we're getting one or more of these helmed by Christos Gage and Dan Slott. And this is Spider-Geddon. Uh, and this is a big crossover that's happening uh, involving all the Spider-Men that we had in the previous big Spider-Man crossover, uh, the Spider-Verse, back in 2014. So it's been four years since we've had one of these big books. Uh, Dan Slott has since moved away from the Spider-Man family of books. But he's coming back for this one. And I'm really looking forward to this. This is about the uh, race of vampire-like creatures, the Inheritors, escaping from their prison that they've been cased in, and then bringing the final fight to the spider family of characters. Uh, I'm pumped for this. I've, I've always enjoyed the uh, the Spider-Man crossovers. Dan Slott totally like, knocked it out of the park with everything that he did over on Spider-Man. I'm sad I didn't keep up on it month from month. But I feel like all of these crossovers or miniseries that he did like scratched enough of that itch that always left me wanting more, and I would just 
get that the next year. I was really hoping that this uh, would be central around Spider Gwen, and it would be actually become Spider Gwenin. <laughs> well, you know, she, that's just me. She's in it. <laughs> I know you're making like I know you're making a, a, a word joke, but at least she's there. Yeah, uh, because that's my new spinoff podcast: word jokes with friends. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> That's an inside joke that nobody will ever get. And I, we've talked about we've mentioned show. it quite a few times on this yeah, show. We, we talked about doing an actual like a word books podcast called Word <laughs> Books with Friends. I, I saw, I subscribe to the fact that that wouldn't be like a bad idea. Like that could be fun, oh, but like once a month, you know what it you is? Know, monthly, you know what it is? Is we keep talking about actually doing it, and then Paul recommends books, and then we go maybe. <laughs> You guys recommend a book, then. Mm. <laughs> well, how about I recommend a book? Or not have me on the show. How about I recommend a book show and for... just, Then I can listen to it, and I'd still be appreciative. Oh, I'm trying to I'm trying to segue. Oh, I'm sorry. How about I recommend a book for a dramatic reading? Ooh. Paul, you're reading this, by the way. I know. Okay. I know. And now. Gotta scroll up. A dramatic reading. From Star Wars, Vader Down, page 118, panel 1. I believe Master Luke has been taken by stormtroopers. A Wookiee has hurt Chewbacca and is in the process of trying to detach Captain Solo's head. And I'm in the most frightful state. Some awful droids took my arms. That was a dramatic reading from Star Wars, Vader Down, page 118, panel 1. Transport over... Here. Over here. Over here. I did the thing with my arms, too, that oh, 3PO does. I, oh, the I whole time too. I was doing that, I was doing up and down with my arms. Yeah, very... but 3PO doesn't but you, have arms in that You couldn't panel. be doing it. He doesn't have arms. Well, it's the only way I can uh-huh. not even do uh-huh. the voice. That is, that's how I screwed it up. That's how I screwed it up. Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah. That's why I couldn't find the tone. Chris, do you need to take a break? No, I, I did already. Okay, good. It's when Paul was talking about his Star Wars first. Oh, there's a Batman encyclopedia. That's why I kept on going there. so long, and that's why, like, when I was coming back from it, I'm like, I think I talked enough about it. Maybe. Oh, see, I didn't. I don't know. I, I, I don't think I heard that part of it. But no, I sent a message to everyone saying I had to go to the bathroom, <laughs> and like, I was afraid of like getting up to go and have somebody like, and Chris, your book is. Because then I wouldn't be here, but I threw Paul it, just kept talking. I threw it over. I, I threw it over to you, and then I checked my phone, and it said like a minute ago, Chris said he had to go to the bathroom, and I was like, "Uh oh, <laughs> oh, he's there." I, I, I came back at the right time then. Yes, um, but since we've talked about books and we talked about books, hey guys, why don't we talk about some books? Sure. Mm-hmm. Who are we going to start with? Whose books? Ooh, we we didn't discuss this at all. Nope. Let's just get Fantastic Four out of the way then. Okay, that's my only book because we got, to, and then we'll go to uh, John with your two, and then um, Chris with his. That sounds good. Come on, Comicsology. You know I'm not a robot. Ah, <laughs> uh, it thinks I'm a robot. I'm sorry. I'm trying to log in. I'm sorry. Uh, no worries, because um, this is the first. Fantastic Four, number one, we've had in a while. We've been getting the adventures of Johnny Storm, the Human Torch, and Ben Grimm, the Thing, 
over in the Marvel two and one stories, uh, which is kind of what I thought this was going to be. And it kind of was, but I was afraid of, it it was, but I was afraid of jumping into this and have it be like fantastic four. Number one, where they're already together. And I didn't know what happened for the, the rest of the series. Uh, but it's, it's definitely not like this is the lead up to them becoming the fantastic four again, which I thought was a nice change of pace because I was able to come into this with the knowledge that I had, because I was afraid I wasn't going to know what happened. Like how did they become the four again? Uh, and that doesn't matter. No, because this is a story of basically, uh, Ben Grimm giving up all hope that uh, Reed, Sue, and the kids are ever going to show up again. They've been lost in the uh, multi, you know, in the crazy universe multiverse that they have traveled through so many times before. And uh, Johnny Storm refusing to believe uh, that they're actually gone for good. And right, you know, spoilers for the book, right at the moment where all hope is, of course, now lost is the moment where hope is rekindled. And the Fantastic Four symbol is seen in the sky. Uh, this is written by Dan Slott, art by Sarah Pacelli. Which is um, why Dan Slott's not on Spider-Man anymore. Right. And I was really surprised how well... Uh, well, Ben Gr- Dan Slott started at Marvel writing a Ben Grimm comic. So I'm not that surprised that I really enjoy this Ben Grimm again. Well, I, but I also It's also not his- surprising because then you get his next character with She-Hulk, who also appears in this one like, this very much yeah, seemed well, like going briefly. home again for him. Yeah, briefly, but yeah. Okay, yeah, I get what you're I, I'm sorry, I stopped on you. No, it's okay because as soon as I saw, it, I was like, "Oh no!" Like, of course, it's it's Dan Slott. Like, he's been doing Spider-Man for like the last ten years. He he wants to like touch on the other characters that he's always kind of had that soft spot for. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is kind of a story where. They splice in this very older, like maybe seventies kind of comic booky kind of story within it to explain like this weird stone that Ben Grimm has. That really, it it's just fun storytelling. I don't. There's no real plot development or anything in this story other than that maybe the Fantastic Four is going to show up. There's some cool character development of Ben Grimm asking. And again, spoilers. Hey, look, we're reviewing the books. What can hey, you do? We're reviewing um, a, a month and a half old book, the two months old book. Uh, and Ben Grimm finally asked Lisa Masters to uh, to marry him, which is great because they were going to get cats because Lisa Masters always believes she would, you know, someday have cats, own pets. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Chris, and Christy could totally steal her away from Ben Grimm. Oh, I love cats. And I I have blue eyes. She would have to take my word for it, though. (laughs) And you wouldn't need to clean up any mess because she would never see it. Uh, She could smell it. She would trip over it. (laughs) Okay, you don't need to clean up any mess that isn't on the floor. (laughs) Uh, All that sky mess. Ooh. (laughs) No, on the counter spaces and on tables, you're fine. You could have a whole room to yourself and never tell her that room exists. Just don't put a doorknob there. Uh, Perfect. I think the book looks beautiful. Uh, Sarah Pacelli is someone that Chris really introduced us to with uh, Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man, that Spider-Man book. And um, 
I did. I can't say I love this book. It was a little whiny in the beginning. It just was like, I'm, it's a little hokey. All right, let's yeah. get through it. It's it's hokey, but I think that is kind of too fantastic for strength. Uh, and then, like, when he was like, I know what to do with this magic stone that the lady gave me to tell me to find my way home. Hey, Stanley. Find my way home. That's my uh, Ben Grimm. Ben Grimm has got uh, Stanley voice. He's Because they're both from Yancey Street. Uh, but, he, you know, and I was like, oh, he's he's going to try to use the stone to save uh, uh, Reed and Sue. And then he puts it in a ring and gives it to Alicia Masters. And then I was like, "Oh, he's gonna have a real." By the end of the up, by the end of the book, I'm like, "He's gonna have a really weird time being like, I need that ring back." Because uh, that ring, the whole reason to tell that story is because they're gonna use that ring to find Sue and Reed and the kids. Mm-hmm. Mark, mark my words. That's what it's gonna be. Why else? Inter- why else introduce that stone? Because he was saying that she was his way home, and it's just like it—it's it, that it was a red herring. I think for I, you to believe that, I and think I that think too. Because they, he crushes that stone like that's a pebble. By the time he gets, I it think into that's that all ring. he had of it. You never see the size of the. You see the size of that, and he says he gave, she gave him a piece of the stone. Oh, okay, it's possible. Um... This is probably the most Fantastic Four book I've read of the Fantastic Four books over the past 10 years, though. It's big. It's got all those characters in it. It touches on the larger Marvel universe. But at its core, it has a good heart to it. And I, it's cheesy, but I did enjoy the fact that it flashes back to a previous adventure they had. And it turns out Sue Storm can't sing. And everyone knows Johnny's the best singer. Like, the family rallies behind him. It's stupid. But it it sold the book to me. Uh, now, what about the backup Doctor Doom? Um, I really liked it. <laughs> okay, I didn't... Sorry. No, that's okay. I'm glad you liked it because I didn't read it because I thought it was a preview of a Doctor Doom book that was coming out. So I was just kind of flipping through it. So I got to the end of the book. So it was done. And I was like, oh, no, this is still going. This is still going. Oh, now there's another story. I didn't realize they were backups. So I didn't actually read this one. I It's kind of, you know, in uh, Les Mis. <laughs> all the kids are, okay, now all you the have kids, my attention now, sir. How all the kids are basically dying on the ramparts. Mm-hmm. Now imagine if just Doctor Doom just comes up and messes up everybody's shit. That's that's that story. It's like, oh man, this is not going to go well for this this girl trying to rally the troops. So this is the and then this is red and black, the Doctor Doom story. Okay, <laughs> yep, pretty good. It was fun. Nice. I, I didn't. It would, the, uh... I, I didn't like it. <laughs> uh, it. It seems well done, just from what I flipped through. I did read the next one though because it was seriously only like one page uh, by Dan Slott. So good, young. but yeah, because uh, that summed up my thoughts on what I thought this book was going to be. <laughs> and it's Mister Impossible, which is great because that's how that's how Mister Impossible should be used as like just diffusing 
nerd tension or nerd hate and nerd rage. Like, just have him be the audience and that just like take away their argument. Well, that, ultimately, I I, I enjoyed this book more than I thought I was going to. It's a far cry from the last Fantastic Four that I remember reading, which is like the Matt Fraction stuff, where it was that big, overly impossible sci-fi book. I, I feel like this captured like the family feeling of it quite well. I, I really enjoyed this one. I don't think it was my favorite book of the month, but I I definitely dug it. I My favorite part is definitely the Reed and Sue moment, where Sue's like, are you sure you can do it? It seems impossible. And then Reed turns to her and says, well, do you believe in me? And she's like, of course. And he says, well, that's why I know I can do the impossible. Like, ah! Freaking, that's what I come to do the Fantastic Four for. That moment right there. I don't care what happens in the rest of the book. I'm glad I spent my three ninety nine. That's that's a great moment. Sign me up. I'm in. I just Fantastic like, Four. I just like the spot where like Franklin's like, no, mommy, don't sing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or whatever, whatever he said. Like, can't remember. Yeah, exactly well, that's line. just because it reminds you of waking up in the middle in the middle of the night with uh you know the people that live beneath you and she would be singing and then that was that, uh, w- that was me and it was in the more it was like 10 in the afternoon and or 10 in the morning and i still was in bed going like what the fuck's wrong with this lady i'm trying to sleep and then the kid says please don't sing mommy just oh so that wasn't chris okay no it was me it's okay john you didn't like this? I, I, John, I didn't. It's a fun book. I'm supposed to not like it. Remember? I di- I didn't love it. I would read volume one when you make me read it for look back. I probably wouldn't read issue two. Uh, I wouldn't go out of my way to continue reading anything with this. I, I have issue two. You can read it right I now. I saw that. I didn't download it because I went, meh. Mm. I, I, did, I didn't love it. Um, I think it had some good elements to it. I thought the book looked great. Um, even with how Sarah Pacelli draws the thing, when she draws him happy, he looks like, yeah, that's a happy thing. When she draws him angry and sad, like, yeah, that's a sad thing. Uh but no, it didn't. It didn't grab. It didn't grab me, and I was expecting they've been doing the Marvel two and one with Thing and uh, Johnny Storm, and this felt like a continuation of that. Even though that book is still going on, mm-hmm. uh, I was expecting. I was expecting more. Maybe more from Reed and Suicide or how they got lost or what have you because it's kind of been a little bit of an enigma but it didn't want me to stick around for it i don't think the book is bad it just didn't grab me well did one of your books grab you a little bit more um no not really (laughs) okay bar the segue but uh i've (laughs) I will talk about uh, Dick Tracy, Dead or Alive, number one, coming in from IDW. And this is written by Lee and Mike Allred uh, with art by 
Uh, art by Rich Tomaso, inker by Mike Allred, and colorist by Laura Allred. Uh, the one thing I did think was fun on this book is it said, like, Allred uh, 3, like, and uh, instead of, like, you know, squared or, you know, I thought that was fun. Cubed. Yeah, cubed. Thank you. Allred cubed. Yeah. This book is definitely trying to take the Dick Tracy world and they're allowing it to have a lot of current day stuff. People have cell phones, they're using burners, but this is the no-nonsense Dick Tracy who actually continues to get fired from different police districts because he doesn't know that you can't arrest the rich people or the people that contribute to society. And he says, you break the law, the law breaks you, and I will hunt you down. And uh, and it comes to uh, a city where Big Boy, who if any of you have seen the Dick Tracy movies, or the movie, knows that Big Boy's the bad guy, is uh, running the city. The new governor, who isn't in his pocket, uh, they're trying to get rid of, and they have this great idea... Let's bring in a hard-nosed cop who's gonna do some. He's gonna he's gonna do some good, so they can do some good, make the people happy, and then all this corrupt city is gonna do is steamroll over them, get rid of the governor, and it's gonna be bye bye Dick Tracy who they bring in. But Dick Tracy's one up on him. He took his vacation, met with the governor, got warrants for all the people went to arrest him, and hunts down Big Boy, who then fakes his death in Sing Sing, and that's your book. I was hoping this book would be a little more fun. It's a little more trying to be Dick Tracy nostalgia in the new age, and uh, I think the book looks nice, but I... I wouldn't say it was a slog to get through because it moves pretty quickly, but I didn't love it. I When you picked this and it was like the All Reds working together on a book, like an updated telling of Dick Tracy, I thought it was going to be a little bit more contemporary than it was just contemporary creators telling a Dick Tracy story like, it's presented as a very nostalgic, like, pulp book, but at its core, it's a very just pulp Dick Tracy book. And for me, that wasn't interesting. I did enjoy the Rocketeer backup in the, at the end of it. That I read and really, really dug. Uh, but did yeah, this, didn't get that far. Ooh, ooh. Uh, just ooh. flipped like the Betty's last he's like, wearing a uh, halter top and some hot pants. Ooh. Yeah, just flipped like the last three pages where it's like, the Rocketeer backup, and you're like, oh, I, I would read this Rocketeer book, which you can in Rocketeer Adventures coming soon. It it is really far because I mean, you have like different covers. You have like, oh, this is the sketch, this is the ink, this is the colored. Like, it's really far down this book. How would you find this? Why would you maniacs keep scrolling? Okay. Here's the thing, I I always go to the end of the book because if you stop somewhere and then someone else loads the book after you have been reading it, it picks up at that point. So I don't want anyone to see like the last page or panel of a book 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and have, I appreciate that, Chris. No, and that, but that's the thing. Like, I don't want anyone seeing something that they shouldn't. So I always go to the very end of the book. So the next person that loads it, it goes right back to the cover. Yeah, I try to do that as well. Uh, I actually like this a lot more than a lot of other John books, like <laughs> Slither or uh, Slender or whatever it was, the like Colder. Uh, what was the one where the guy who had the, like, his fingers underneath, like in his nail biter, were coming out of his eye? Nail biter. That was yeah. yeah that was colder. Oh, was that what was nail biter then? But nail biter, I like this more than nail biter. Uh, I have to I say, like this more than uh, Christmas Tree Mountain or Christmas Mountain. Uh, Rocketeer Adventures seems amazing. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I expected this book okay. to be, but it wasn't. Because you have like in in the book when it comes out. You got the Rocketeer by John Cassidy. You have another story by Mike Manola and uh, Dave Stewart. You got a Mike Allred one, which you get a glimpse of this. You get pinups, uh, and then you get a story by Kurt Busick. And uh, yeah, that's that, that book's gonna be awesome, guys. Yeah, this one and, uh, probably my least favorite from the book. Uh, it, wow, I, it's definitely not on my least favorite. I think you guys are like, oh, it's not contemporary, but it's not of the past. I just like got into the mindset. I'm like, oh, it's like the Batman and the animated series. It's like whatever time frame they want it, like whatever time frame they kind of want at this yeah time they have. And I'm like, I will. Of course, he has got a rat a tat tat gun for whatever reason. Yeah, but that's okay, with this vintage Tommy gun. But Batman the Animated right. Series was good and interesting. This this was way too just based in what Dick Tracy was, I think. Like it read like a newspaper serial, which isn't a bad thing, but that's it just came off as very good. It wasn't it didn't catch my attention at all. Like if you had just told me this was a like nineteen thirties Dick Tracy strip, I would I would have bought into that. Uh, I will say this. I, just, I liked Fantastic Four better than Dick Tracy, but I liked Dick Tracy more than Justice League Odyssey number one, which is the other book I picked up, and that is written by Joshua Williamson uh, with art by... What happened there? It disappeared on me. Uh, uh, Stephen Sepchak. Um, And this is a uh, continuation of everything that happened with No Justice where we have uh, the female Green Lantern of Earth, whose name is Chris? Jessica Cruz. Jessica Cruz. Where she has agreed to be out on these limits, uh, fixing these patrol towers. And uh, while she's doing that, all of a sudden, who flies by but Cyborg and uh, Starfire, who have been hearing voices... Uh, also, Azrael from uh, the Batman books. That's what made me buy this book. Was I didn't even know he was going to be in this. Like, it was. It's such a weird mismatch of characters. Yes, but I have to say, as an Azrael fan from 1994, I do think his costume is really cool. Look, his I, his new suit looks good. I was so excited to see that. It's like it's Azrael appearing in a book that's not like Detective Comics or like a Batman I, book. I like at I like Azrael, and they sold this like as like uh, all these space characters uh, are on an adventure, and who weirdly tags along? 
well, fish out of water, Azrael. And I was like, oh, hey, this could be fun. Little did I know that the person who's make who is the voice in their head that makes them go into this crazy outer space thing is Darkseid. And you should have known that yeah. because his new look is on the cover. <laughs> He's on the cover to the book. And I, I, I didn't I even think that a... it was Darkseid on the cover. I didn't realize that was Darkseid. I thought he was like a behold- was I thought he was like a beholder or something. Like uh, not one of the Watchers, one of those other guys. Uh, okay, and then, no, um, uh, the Watchers. But based off the cover, I didn't the monitors. Monitors. I didn't even catch Ezreal on the cover there because I saw Darkseid and I was like, oh, like that's Darkseid because he has the Omega symbols on it. But I thought it was like just the the rebirth. But I mean, it sounds like that's the son of Darkseid, but like. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, and Ezreal's tagged along because they're all hearing a voice, which is Darkseid. But because... he also, he's used to hearing voices. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they're, and he's gathered them all there because they're the new gods, and they're being worshipped, and they're going to be on some space adventure. Woof, this book. I, I did I didn't hate it. Like, it was tough to get through for the first, like, six pages, but then as soon as Azrael pops up, I was like, oh, Azrael's in this book. Yeah, that's your <laughs> bizarre love for Azrael, because it's not, I know, it's weird. It's And I like Azrael, too, but it also, it wasn't, like, the best interpretation of him, because it's it, like, oh, the voice is talking to me. Do whatever you can. Kill him if you must, but get to me. And then it's like, He's, he's, no, I need all three of you guys. He said, it's like, he said we should go faster. Like, I, I think there were some fun elements to this book. It, it's not a bad book. I would put this as, like, middling. Um, I, I, I think everything... This book makes no sense. I think everything... No, it, it, it doesn't, and I felt, like, handicapped going into it because I was like, oh, well, this takes place after the, uh, the No Justice thing, which I did enjoy, like, the lead-up to that, like... I came out of the, uh, I don't remember if it was, like, No Justice number one. It was like, number one. But then we also read, like, the lead-up to that one and something else yeah. that John didn't read. Uh, DC Universe Presents or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I came out of that being like, okay, like, these books are interesting. And then reading this one, I was like, oh, well, you need to read all of that. And I didn't. Um, so, like I said, I felt kind of handicapped, but on its face, I kind of, like, the weird team, even though it wasn't a great story. It's probably just all Asriel. It It is because like it's okay. It's interest. It was interesting enough. And all these characters aside from cyborg and starfire don't really belong here, but it was the dark side. I brought you all here. You are all gods to be worshiped and they show them being worshiped and everything. And it's like, we're definitely out of our element with not having finished reading no justice but would no justice really lead us to this point nope no, no. it wouldn't but the fact that it's jessica cruz who i do enjoy in green lantern and then Azrael, like that's that's enough to kind of like enough. to hook me into the book would i read uh number two no um i would not it's a cosmic book i throughout my entire comic book reading history have not really enjoyed crazy cosmic books um i have no affinity for cyborg or starfire or dark side so the fact that i'd be reading this book for two characters that i have like 
a passing interest in one and then just an irrational love for the other one, I, I could continue on this. But the artwork, it's a really slick looking book. Like this book looks awesome. It does look great. I just wish I cared a little bit more about it to warrant to warrant wanting to read more or it being better. I, I just this book doesn't make any sense for the moment that John just mentioned, where Ezreal gets a message from the voice saying, "Kill them if they have to." But later on, they're like, "No, I needed to bring you all here." It's like, then why would you ask me to kill the others? Like, you would we would need all of us, right? Like. To be worshipped as old gods. Maybe I don't know. It's dark side. Maybe it's just a little bit of like hyperbole. And I, um, and I don't like the look of the dark side. I, I like him. I don't. What like is weird with that? It, that hood is so weird because it doesn't. He's cover, very svelte. It doesn't carry. It doesn't cover the top of his head. He's wearing a hood that shows that he's bald. It's bizarre. Yeah. And the whole thing is. I don't know. I, I want my dark side to be stoic. He never shows emotion. He's just, after the anti-life equation, he does not smile. He does not weep. He shows no sorrow. He shows no pain. Uh, and this guy is, like, emoting. No, I don't like it. I just don't like it. Uh, but what about the... Uh little uh, teaser for the new Grant Morrison Liam Sharp book. Uh, I think that cover looks good, and then when you get into the actual art, it's so late 80s, early 90s art for it. It, The artwork, it's not bad, but it's definitely like you said, it's like late 80s art. And it's like Grant Morrison's trying to write a late 70s, 80s Green Lantern book. Mm-hmm. I I have no interest in this. I'm just sad that I now know the point where I will be dropping off of reading Green Lantern again instead of just coming to it organically where I'm like, oh, you know what? I don't care for the direction or the writing. Like, I'm going to fall. I now know at this point, like, nope. I, I can sign off of reading Green Lantern because I can't imagine the other Green Lantern book going on now. Because there's Heldra and the Green Lanterns, and then the Green Lanterns. I, uh, I think everything's ending. I don't know. It it it's like, oh, go ahead. It definitely we're we are all Green Lantern fans, and what really solidified us was that Jeff Johns run, and mm-hmm. they finally had gotten back to make those Green Lantern books feel like what we loved. That nostalgia we yeah. had from eight years ago with Jeff John's run on green lantern and Peter Tomasi's uh, green lantern core. Like it was like, man, they finally got it. And then it's like, hit the brakes. This book is totally going to be out of the element. And Paul, you're saying this, this you liked it. There's a slimmer hope because he says, give me the case file. (laughs) Ugh. Maybe it's going to become the police drama that I love so much oh, again. It, it's gonna. This this is like the we we just had what you should have loved, and now you're like this is what you want. You have to is you this... have to buy issue number one now. You know okay, that I right? Will. Yeah. Uh, okay, but also it it seems like he's just the art style is trying to be very reminiscent of uh, the Alan Moore story of Sharp Bell. 
Like, that's what I was thinking of the entire time I was looking at this book. I'm like, oh, okay, he's that's what they're going for. They're kind of going for that tone. So you're t- um, maybe there's a slimmer hope that uh, it's a cop story again. So, so you're, and not, you're talking about Alan, you're talking about Alan Moore writing a DC comic book. So you're talking about 80s. It looks like 80s yeah. art. Yeah. yeah. I don't have a problem with because I make you guys read 80 comics, 80, 80s comic books all the time. Longbowman's Hunter. Uh, Which I liked. The, the Dark Phoenix. Uh, which nobody likes. Nobody likes that book. Why is it on everyone's like top, oh, this is the best story ever told by the X-Men? No, it's not. Well, well I think it was important. By like the third it. page of Hellfire Club stuff, I was like, I will flip through the rest of this. Oh, man. The best uh, part of that book was Chris and I sending pics <laughs> of that book going like, look how bad this is. Look how stupid this is. Um, no, no offense, that wasn't that wasn't directed no, no, at you, Paul. Yeah. That was directed no. at the book. At the book. Uh, at the book. Before we get into like the rest of the books, which are all mine, I do have another beer to talk about. I don't know if you guys are ready to go with that route at all. I uh, I'm almost done with my third beer. I'm going to oh. grab my next beer. So yes. Okay. Well, uh, go ahead and talk about yours, and I will be back. Uh, John, since you're almost done with yours, do you want to start it off? Uh, I am drinking a LIC Beer Project beer. Uh, this brewery is from New York City, and this is their Higher Burning IPA, and this is brewed with Belima, El Dorado, and Mosaic hops. Every beer that I've had tonight has ha- had my tongue totally shifting gears with the IPA. They've all been that cloudy, kind of New England, orange-juicy-looking uh, color, but each one has been extremely different, and this beer from LIC is no different. This beer has a little more of a malty sweet forward, still very juicy, but with this nice bitter that falls on the back of the tongue. Earlier, uh, before I had finished Three Tall Boys, I had a great analogy for what the sweetness of those malts in the front tasted like but i no longer remember but i do really like each one of these beers i would never drink them in this succession again i definitely started with the best went to the second best and finished with the third but i don't know if i would feel the same way if i just drank these on their own uh which i plan on doing with the other beers that i have of these uh I definitely think LAC, who I've only had in two different collabs um, with Barrier and Other Half, I would definitely try more of their beers. Zero Gravity, uh, I pretty much just know them from their IPA, their lager. Um, it's, it's not a brewery that I've really been wowed by, but Bing Bing definitely gave Bing me- Bing! Bing Bing! Uh, definitely was uh, a hit with me. And Foreign Objects, um, Paul and I have reviewed them many times on this mm-hmm. podcast. Foreign Objects is definitely a brewery that anytime I have any of their beers come, uh, I come across, I will buy them because everything is delicious. Uh, even their beers that aren't my, f- I wouldn't, I wouldn't put towards the top of 
the beers I've had from them, they're still all very good. And, um, yeah, I, I think all of the beers I had were great. I wouldn't drink them in the order I had them, but I wouldn't mind uh, definitely sharing them the next time Paul's around and splitting these beers every once in a while with him, uh, possibly with a game night that'll be in a week and a half. I do appreciate that. There's there's a reason I'm bringing these uh, Warlocks and Pumpkins is because I really wanted to open up those Bellwood Sours that I have. Ooh, but you don't like but... sours enough to finish one. No, I would have had one. I would have finished the bomber just for this podcast. But I'm like, you know what? Nope, nope. I should hold off until we. I can drink it with John. Uh, I have one from Indie House, a barrel aged uh, sour. Ooh. One from another barrel aged sour from Bellwoods, Ooh. and just a uh, their standard sour from Bellwoods as well. The, their Jelly King. Oh, Jelly King's so. supposed to be really good. Paul, and, on the secondary yeah. market, you could probably sell that bottle for $40 or more. Yeah, but I'm not going to be an able. be that guy. Right? No. If somebody, comes to, if somebody comes to me and says to do that, I'll just say, hey, have a Jelly Belly or a Jelly uh, Baby and shut up. That's a Doctor Who reference. Jelly Baby. Jelly Baby. Hey, uh, Chris, what kind of Jelly Baby are you having? <laughs> uh... Not really a jelly baby. Um, like I said with my last beer at my beer store, they had an entire end cap of beers from New York. And while I can get Southern Tier stuff down here, I was really excited to see that they had beers from Ithaca Brewing Company. Oh. Uh, they brew one of my old favorite IPAs with flower power. It's not what it used to be. Nowhere near. It's nowhere. It's nowhere near, but it's still a really good IPA. It's just it's lacking all that just big citrus pop that it used to have. And if you could like capture that again, it would regain its like five out of five all time best IPA. As it is now, like it's a it's a three point five to like three point seven five beer. Like it's still really good, but. Every time I drink it now, I just think back to what it used to be, and it doesn't have that now. But I was really excited because I saw they had something from Ithaca that I hadn't had before, and this is Creaker, their double IPA. Uh, I had never even seen or heard of this before, so I picked it up. It was a four-pack. I don't recall the pricing of it, but I was excited just to have something new from Ithaca. On top of just excited to have something from Ithaca down in Florida because it's it really happen. It's really crazy that they're down there. Uh, the cool thing about Total Wine is they do deals with breweries, so they get stuff from their distributors as normal. But then they also have stuff that they call Brewery Direct, where it comes right from the brewery. Uh, that's where they had the Shalafly stuff that I had a few episodes ago from St. Louis. The voodoo, uh, voodoo. They and now Ithaca. So it's cool that they're supporting those kind of lesser known, smaller breweries, that, having it sent right to their store, and then they're giving it like prime real estate on an end cap, saying like, "Hey, here's something that we work to get because it's not just something that comes off the truck." Creaker, uh, though, it's a really good double IPA. It's got kind of it's not an overly piney hop on it, but it's like I wish I knew which hop it was but it's that grassy kind of piney. John, do you know? 
Uh, I don't know what hops they use in that, no. But it is kind of more... Sycamore? Simcoe? 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 Possibly. It is still a little bit... It's grassy, and then it kind of, like, washes into, like, a buttery pine. Which is a really nice double IPA flavor. Um, This is the last bottle that I have. It's been a great, hey, long day, get home from work. Golden IPA. I... I've really been enjoying it. Is it my favorite Ithaca beer? No, because Flower Power Circa like four years ago was. Uh, two, is, two recipes ago. They've changed that recipe twice. Oof. But this is still a really solid beer. Even the current version of Flower Power is still a really good IPA. I just always enjoy my IPAs to be a little bit more citrusy, or like floral uh, this doesn't have that the current version of flower power doesn't have that but they're still really good drinkable beers and I can't fault Ithaca for that but I will forever hound them just about how good their beer used to be uh, two things uh, that this made me write of one um, in another week or two they'll be putting out their box of hops which is a oh that's what um, I had the Belgian one what we, we, oh god we had that uh back in like 2010 or 12. that was really good it was good and i've been chasing that dragon ever since <laughs> uh yeah uh but the florida lee the florida lees yes <sighs> uh but you will have dr zayas which is a very good ipa from them and hopefully there'll be another version another ipa that they did last year that was really good and uh for your birthday i'll have a nice beer box sent to you um, and, it hey, has, and I have those ten days. I have those uh, barrier beers um, from um, with uh, that they did with that punk band that you like. Um, oh, um, every time, every time I, I, die. I, I, ha- I have those. I Wait, did you get both of them or just the one? Because they had the new black IPA, and then there was the uh, the hot damn IPA. The the other one was done with a brewery we don't get distributed to us. Uh, uh, so I have the one for you. Uh, hey, which, that's so cool. Which I, I sadly uh, didn't get sent to you out sent out to you early enough. Um, I put it in my beer cellar to keep it and forgot to mail it to you. But uh, I was planning on for your birthday sending you a nice beer box because every time I see you for your birthday, I bring you loads and loads of beer. Um, so you'll you'll expect that. But um, the other thing that is really nice is there are going to be. A bunch of black IPAs coming out. Yay! Uh, or boo. New Belgium is putting out two. Um, they're going to be putting out one in uh, four-pack Tallboy cans, and then they're going to be putting out an, uh, a retired recipe in their winter variety packs. So that's going to be two from them. Ellicottville is going to be putting out one, um, I believe just into the new year uh which i'm excited about yeah don't sleep on ellicottville they stepped the game up they have uh their tall boy cans which they call their publican series they've really done a great job with in the last Mm -hmm. uh i wouldn't even say a year it's been uh half a year yeah like three four months uh the tie-dye these tie-dye is very good um the the one i had with um foggy nation that one's really yep. good. 
their um, pumpkin cappuccino beer right now. Haven't tried uh, it. Very good. Very coffee up front. Definitely get the pumpkin, but it has a really nice roastiness to it. Um, mm. And then they did a session IPA. They did a Mexican chocolate beer. Um, they're also going to be putting their Lloyd's Christmas in the four pack Tallboy cans. And they were planning on, but won't be able to do it this year, but they will be doing it next year. But they were going to do a nitro chocolate cherry bomb. Uh, their biggest thing is they wouldn't be able to, for the amount of chocolate cherry bomb that they supply, they weren't going to be able to have the capability to nitro all of the. I take, I usually take for chocolate cherry bomb from Ellicottville, I take around 90 cases. And that's just one store. You think about all the other stores in the Buffalo area that are going to be having that, plus Rochester, and their footprint goes to Cleveland, to Pittsburgh. They weren't going to be able to make nitro cans quick enough and sustain them enough. Um, So they're going to be bottles this year, but they will be cans next year. And uh, I think, man, can you imagine a nitro chocolate cherry bomb? Oof. That's I can't one. because I don't live in a dream world where something <laughs> would exist. Well, next year you'll be able to get it. Oh, my gosh. But, right. hey, thank you for all of that and what could be coming in a year. But you know what I want to talk about? What's already happened? Yes, the books that I bought two months ago or a month ago because I didn't buy everything when it came out. Um, I'm going to go with Star Wars Beckett number one uh, for mm. for my first book. Because... Wait, does Star Wars Beckett, does Beckett show up as like a death priest or something like that? Almost like, a, I don't know, like a warlock? Oh, like you never beer talked about your beer. I'm sorry, Paul. It's I just okay. stepped all over that. But yeah. Uh, no, no, no. No, no, no Paul, I, I was go, like, go back oh. like an hour ago to when we were talking about beers that matter. Uh, hey, Paul, talk <laughs> about a beer that we've reviewed several times on the show before. But I, I think hey. it does stand that like it's a beer that they do come out with annually now. And like I said, like this year, pumpkin, I think, is better than it has been. And, Paul? I think, I think Warlock has been better than it has been. Like we were t- just talking before about how it's like, oh, usually it's either pumpkin or Warlock, pumpkin or Warlock. Either way this year, you can't go wrong. It, they're both good. They're both right up there. Like, you get the good stout aftertaste on the Warlock. Uh, right up front, you get all the good pumpkins. Uh, that yummy pumpkiness, pumpkin pumpkin spiciness. Uh, so I'm going to refute what we were saying earlier. It's an every, uh, every year uh, trade-off. This year... Like Star Trek movies. You're good. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. This year, though, it's breaking the chain. It's, uh, this year's a uh, Star Trek Genesis... I've never seen it. What? Oh, Genesis is one of the good ones. And John and I just talked about that. Just like... Uh, uh, No, Genesis is good because that's the one where Kirk dies. It's the melding. It's the passing of the torch, Genesis. They're stuck in the Nexus. Oh, I did see that. I saw that one. Uh, First Contact was good, too, though. First Contact. First Contact. First Contact is the best Next Generation movie. And it's the only good next generation movie uh generations is that passing of the torch but it is still that slow 
Star Trek, mm-hmm. not a lot of action where, come on, you got Picard hunting down the Borg on a ship. He's wearing a tank top. They're trying to launch that ship, get to the moon because they need uh, the Vulcans to see it. Got, oh, they got to see it. That's, first, oh, that's man. the titular first contact. That that movie's got stakes. And then he also got Worf saying, resist this. Yeah, he's on loan from Deep Space Nine for every movie. You never understand why he's there. Yeah, Irium Zephram was saying the fucking Steppenwolf in his makeshift. Yeah, it was a great movie. But no, much like uh, Conrad, uh, he's kind of like the uh, Beckett character in uh, Star Wars Beckett. Uh, Are you done talking about Warlock? Yeah, yeah, I, that's all I want no, to I, say. I, I think Warlock is really solid this year. I, w- I will if, back Chris, you if you up. see a four-pack, pick it up. It's worth it. Warlock, yeah, I think Warlock's Warlock better is, this year. Warlock pro- is always it's always good. It's always good, but I think it's better this year than probably like the last two years. Because the last couple times I bought Warlock, it's just been chasing that dragon again. Being like, you know, it's everything I want in a beer, but it hasn't equal out to like that first year that it was available. But this year is it's it's getting there. It's definitely better. Alright. To throw some uh more fire onto uh John's conspiracy theory about how Warlock might be going away. Uh I'm looking at both bottles right now of Pumpkin and Warlock. Pumpkin on the very top of it says seasonal. Where Warlock it says limited. Ooh. So Maybe that's a little bit of a tipping of the hat, you know, or a tipping of the hand. I mean, next year this is going away. Next year, if I can't get like a four pack or a bomber of Warlock, I'd be like, oh man! But if I can get that that chai tea one, I think that would definitely make up for yeah. it. I, I do feel bad that since now knowing this, this is my last Warlock. I would have saved this one Warlock for next year. Well, you can probably, you can probably still, still find it. Paul. It's, it's not the last I mean, one in existence. It's just the last one. I you had have. to spend more money. To get the next one. I'll get much like how you spent money on Star Wars Beckett. Hey, I did. Uh, and this is Star Wars Beckett. Number one. Uh, this was written by Jerry Duggan with art by three different uh, artists Will Sliney, Edgar Salazar, and Mark Lamming. The book's kind of broken up into three chapters. And the way it's kind of framed is I thought each one of those chapters was going to be like a separate story. But it's very much just, hey, here's one story, three different artists doing it. But definitely still all kind of feels like it belongs together in the same book. Like none of the art's jarring. Like there's no real tonal shifts uh, from page to page or chapter to chapter. Um, but what we have here is kind of one of the earlier jobs of uh, the crew that Han Solo comes to join in the feature release uh, solo a Star Wars story uh, focusing on Tobias Beckett with backup from Pilot Rio and then Val uh, this is one of those Star Wars books that I can see people being like oh you don't have to do this this book doesn't have to exist no it doesn't but much like we've had in the expanded universe this is just a further detailed look into the history of some of those characters that you get in one of the Star Wars movies. And we were talking before the actual episode that we appreciated Solo. It's not the best Star Wars movie. It's not the worst. It has a lot of charm and fun to it. 
And I think this book kind of focuses more on the charm and fun than some of the other uh, Star Wars solo... Well, not solo, but solo books that we've had recently. Uh, I, I literally watched Solo like three days ago. It was the first time I got to see it. If I hadn't read, if I hadn't watched the movie, I would have cared very, very little for this book, which I can imagine Paul, who hasn't seen Solo, felt for this book. You don't know the characters. You don't know what happens to those characters. Having seen the movie, knowing what happens to those characters, having this fun little book of a heist with them, it is nice. It is fun. And the only time the art really is kind of a miss is the last artist on that last book. Cause he keeps just doing really bizarre. He's just uh, like really forcing Woody Harrelson face on this character. No. And that's the thing, but every panel, I feel like he draws the Woody Harrelson and Tobias Beck character a little bit different. Like there's no consistency to it. So I can, I can understand that. And that's the only time it really feels like, Ooh, uh, but other than that, the book ties in with everything that I just saw in Solo and what those characters do. The only thing is the love between um, Tobias and Zoe. Val. 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 Um, those are the only things that are missing. And you really can see that in the movie. You really get the two are an item. And the only reason Tobias is able to do anything is because he has this this strong woman with him. And you don't ultimately get that in this. But I don't... I didn't dislike this book. This book nailed... It pretty much nailed it with those characters because I just saw the movie. I literally, I literally just saw the movie (laughs) and, uh, I think it really, it really, really worked. And before Paul dumps all over this, I'm assuming, I don't know. We didn't talk about it going into it. I think this is what the star Wars book should be like. It's giving more depth to those characters, but it's not essential reading. It, it's a fun, just side story. It can take place in continuity. It could take place out of continuity it doesn't really matter, but at its heart, like it, it hits those characters and it gives you just that little bit more of information. Um, I had originally thought that this book was going to be something different though, because in solo, there's a quick throwaway line where it's like, Tobias Beckett, you killed Aura Singh. And Aura Singh was one of the bounty hunters in the prequel trilogy. That was after uh, fucking uh, Ben Kenobi. So I thought we were actually going to see that story because this would then lend more credence to the prequels, which have kind of been shied away from in the new expanded universe. It wasn't... I'm not heartbroken over it, but I'm surprised they didn't go that route with this book. Is Aura Singh the one with the only ponytail? Like, yes. The ponytail, and that's the only yeah. hair. Um, like the yeah, she's the tall one with like, the long fingers and the ponytail. Yeah, Sam West is the other one, like, like the mask and like the shawl and the guns. Okay. So, 
That's pretty cool that he kills. Uh, I felt like, but yeah, but again, like that that means nothing because I wouldn't have noticed until you mentioned it. I'm like, oh, okay. But I I felt like this uh, that Beckett is kind of like Mel from Firefly. Yeah, oh, this is a very Firefly book. Except he makes all the wrong choices. Like he's just like, up, blow it up, up, kill them. Where Mel's like, I'm only going to kill the bad people. You know, so he seems like the evil, the, like the flip coin of Mel, which made this book kind of fun to read because it's like, eh, just enjoy it. Just like, yeah, just you, you got to turn it. your head off and enjoy it. And if you watch Solo, I, Solo is more Mel. And this would be the character that mentored Mel for Firefly. Like, that's who this character really is supposed mm-hmm. to be. And uh, that's who he is to Solo. I just really love that Mel was mentored by people that were, like, fighting for a cause that they believed in. And, like, were fighting for something. And that's what makes Mel Mel. You know, with the Resistance War, being a brown coat. Being a smuggler and just being looking out for yourself. Like, I don't know. With Beckett. Like, you know, this book, this book's okay. This book is good. It's fun. It's a good heist. It's a good double cross, triple cross. I don't know. It's. I didn't hate it. I I, I didn't like it as much much as Dick Tracy, but uh, really, it was good. Well, I like Dick Tracy more just because it was just so over the top. It was like a comedy. It it, it was like it was. I, I was reading it as a comedy the whole time. Like, the whole... Like, it's like watching the Street Fighter movie. If you're in the mind, right mindset for it, it just works. Beckett was good. There's nothing wrong with it. If people spent money on it, I don't think they wasted their money on it. Uh, I really didn't have much problems with any book this month other than Justice League Odyssey. Like, honestly... <laughs> So you had, and also by the time I read uh, Batman, damned uh, his penis was gone. So. <laughs> uh, so okay, well let's head into talking about Bat- Batman yeah, let's, news. Let's Batman talk about damned. Let's talk about Penisgate 2018. Yeah, uh, so Batman damned number one, and this is the first book that's coming out from DC's Black Label line, uh, and this was written by Brian Azzarello with art by Lee Bermijo. And this is a out-of-continuity kind of Batman story where uh, Batman wakes up, Joker's been killed, he's got to solve the case, but he's palling around with John Constantine for some reason uh, to try to figure it out. Not what I expected. Also, I bought this book when it came out, and then like three days later... I saw news stories everywhere. It's like, you see Batman's dick in a, in a new comic book. It's been edited out in further collections. I'm like, wait, what? Do you know, like uh, the fan outrage wasn't over the dick, but the fact that they, they removed the dick. Like that was the big thing. I see. I, I, I believe that. Um, cause when I got to that page, I was like, Oh, okay. But then I saw like the pre edited version of it. And it's like, Oh yeah. Someone drew, you can see Batman's, a, co- Batman's you, cock hanging out. He's you can circumcised. See, like, okay. You can see a vague outline of his dick. Uh, yeah, I... Well, 
one hand, I don't know how that became a story. Because if I had just... It, the thing is, like, if I had just read this book and I was like, oh, there's Batman sick, I just would have been like, hey, there's Batman's dick as he's walking around out of costume. Okay, continuing on. Like, it wouldn't have been something that I really thought about until we recorded this episode. And then I would have probably mentioned because I can't then remember when they showed Batman's cock. But, you know, news. I'm just glad it brought attention to comic books again, I guess. I don't know. Um, I think the art in this book is great. I think the art in this book would sell this book. I think the story and how it's written is stupid. It's all from, it's all basically from John Constantine's point of view. It's just like a prose of him just saying shit and then Batman doing stuff. If nothing adds up and it, it feels like, hey, you guys did a really good job with that Joker book where it was told by the henchman who was driving around Joker. Do yeah, something. Call, calling him the favor. Do something like that. And this is what we got. There's no reason to see his dick. There's no reason for him to to strip down as he gets out of the Batmobile to then go put on another Batman suit that then, ooh, it's a ghost and I'm haunted by it. Like, this book is like Batman is near death and he's like in purgatory and these are the things that are happening to him. I, I Honestly, I think this is my least favorite book of the read. I think it's the one of the best looking books of the, the books that we're reading, but it just like it was like a slog to get through. It. I didn't think it was a slog. I thought, for whatever reason, it, this book kept on making me think about like that. It's uh, like almost like trying to be overly, uh, 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 you know. Um, oh my goodness, uh, poetry like poetic with its narrative. It made me think of a Rorschach's. Uh, dialogue or narration in The Watchmen quite a bit. Um, I don't think... I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. It, when I first started the book, I'm like, okay, cool. This looks great. Alright, I'm getting a cool narrative. Here we go. It's a darker take on Batman. But, man, once I got to uh, Circe showing up at the very first, you know, when he's on the merry-go-round, like, that's when it all slowed down for me. I'm like... Okay, this is taking an even weirder tor- turn. And it's gonna. How long is it gonna take? Are we gonna learn about, like, is there an actual tie between Cersei and Batman? I don't know. Is it not Cersei? It's, it's, not, Who is it's that? not Cersei. It's Enchantress. Enchantress. Yeah. But, like, she's looking, like, kind of decrepit but young. And but that's how she looked whatever. in Suicide Squad. And I don't know that because mm-hmm. I've seen the movie. I haven't. I saw no. that because of like pictures from it and everything. It is what the it is what the actress the actress had dual sides, and when she went into the enchantress mode, that is what she looks like. Hmm. I so I was like interested at that with that at first, but like it there was no payoff by the end, so I feel like that's when it really slowed down for me. I'm like, 
Because I don't know where this takes place. Is this like a continuation of the Killing Joke? No, where the like, Joker's is, dead, and like maybe Batman killed him, no, it, or is it's it just Black Label? Its maybe thing? it's its own thing. And okay. I think this book might have been better served as a original graphic novel if they had just put it out oh, like yeah. hardcover, like mm-hmm. like I, the Joker you know, was. Like, yeah, like the Joker one was by the the same creative team. I think that would have served it better. Because I didn't... Then they could pace it I, over that whole storyline yeah. versus like trying to pace it for individual. I did enjoy it for what it was, but as soon as I started to like something in it, it was taken away because then it was focusing back on Batman being tortured, walking around. It's like, oh, like here's some like really cool Dead Man stuff. And Dead Man can't... The, the character design on Dead Man, I loved with the muscular... Uh, oh, he's so like like stringy. Yeah, it. it I think, and then when he possessed people, and how stringy they became, and the whole idea of like it's like food poisoning, like he can't stay yeah. in one body and, too long. And that's what, what that was awesome. that's what I love is like I I wanted more of that, but then they have to jump to something else, much like that man. Uh, I think this would have been better served as a long format story instead of them making this kind of like the marquee title for a new imprint. I I did enjoy reading it. I don't remember what I paid for it though. And I probably won't be buying the rest of the series until it goes on some kind of sale because I wouldn't mind seeing where the story goes, but I don't have to see it. And I think if they're going to present something in this format where it's like a prestige series, like new label, it needs to be something that's like, wow, I have to see more. And on paper, everything's there. It just doesn't add up to the sum of its parts. I I think what's like, the thing is like, is like, it's so much John Constantine narration through it. And it's like, he always did this. He always did this. And then when it breaks from that and goes into like Batman being like, or the, the commissioner, being chased down by the crazy guy and then Batman doing this is like who's telling the story like the narration through it just why are we getting this it doesn't even seem to fit the John Constantine narration of what Batman's doing and then you get the actual dialogue and Batman talking to the computer about set up this set up this and then he puts on the the matchstick persona or the bum persona and then goes out and then Zatanna or a Zatanna looking character is doing three three card Monty. Was was it Harley Quinn even? I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. That's not very because I thought it was going to be Zatanna because she's wearing fishnets obviously. Yeah. I thought so too but then she like I kept on looking at her hair and, and the, I'm like that, is it dyed at the, the hair end? and then she's and got the, the, the rouge and stuff. The brassiere. But the, the tease the for like going through. the next issue, which is coming out next month, not even next month from like when this book came out, but literally in November, almost but, teases it more like Harley Quinn. And, like, the, mm-hmm. and then the other thing is like, why would why does Batman even go into that church? Why is Constantine even sitting in that church? And then somebody's written ha 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 and drawn the Joker on uh, on Jesus on the crucifix. Like it's a, like. Okay, like it just seems it just 
this book was a sum of parts that on their own could be really cool, but when you add them all up, it just doesn't add up. Right. I don't. That's that's just my yeah, feeling. No, I I agree. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing where the story goes, but I don't have to see it. And that and that's sad. Like, I don't know what else is coming out from Black Label. I'd like the three Joker stories going to be Black Label, but beyond that, I'm not sure of anything else after that. Well, they might not even do Black Label after this, so... <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Um, something else, though, I am kind of excited to see where it goes is going to be the new miniseries Heroes in Crisis. And this is... Ooh, ooh okay. Uh, and Sorry. That's okay. This is written by uh, Tom King with art by Clay Mann. And this is telling the story about a retreat that's been set up by the big three, the Trinity. So Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman to help heroes deal with the fallout and like the PTSD of just their day-to-day lives. Uh, and it's kind of a whodunit where the heroes that were at this facility have all been killed. And the uh, main suspects for it are Harley Quinn and Booster Gold. And it's up to Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman to figure out just exactly what happened here. It's kind of reminiscent almost of Identity Crisis for me in a way, where it's that more grounded story of the superhero life, where it's like, no, this is what we do day to day. There's prices that we have to pay, but it's hitting at home. It's not on the global scale. It's like, no, this is our, this is where we go not to relax because it's not a relaxation thing. It's more like, this is where we go to just have the pressure relieved. Um, I'm I'm really intrigued by it and I want to see where this goes. Uh, When this book, oops, sorry. Go ahead, Paul. Uh, I was just going to say, it seems like it was all set up, this issue, and I was hoping for more from Tom King. Maybe I went in with too high of an expectation, where, you know, from The Vision and then Mr. Miracle, those first issues, like, really got you into the story. Here, it's like Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, they're all showing up, and they're Superman's just being like, uh, confirmed death, confirmed death, confirmed death. And... The stakes don't really get raised until Arsenal and Wally are, sh- are shown yeah, to you have these killed. characters, and you don't like, even know who they are. Mm-hmm. And they're doing this whole, like, big brother, like, or, yeah. It's a big brother, that weird yeah, like, just like reality a, TV show. They're just having, like, a little monologue to the one-on-one with whatever the, I, I feel like that's, like, device. to the puddlers, like, the camera. The people that are mm-hmm. there to, like, listen. Like, that's their interviewer. They're just, like, sitting there. Almost yeah. like a therapy like in, session. Yeah. And you're worth buying in. And then you have this whole thing, very Sandman-esque from Destiny's Diner, of Harlequin yeah. walking into a, uh, a diner, and everybody's freaking out, like, oh, something's going to go down here, because Booster Gold's sitting there eating, and they're thinking it's going to be a fight. And, of course, the fight does break out. 
but somehow that ties back into the other story. I just don't quite get it. Well, no, that was like that was in the the tie. That was in the aftermath of whatever happened. Like, because they themselves right. don't know. So that's very okay. It, it doesn't take place. Well, Booster says, "I saw you doing something," and she's like, "Well, I don't know. You know, I'm broken." She's like, "Just like God would be after creating everything." Like, I, I'm. Oh, well, maybe I'm like reading both. I read, you know, because these are your books, Batman Damned and also Here's in Crisis right after each other. So there might be some lines I'm I'm conflating together. But Harley Quinn is just, like, saying she's broken, and Booster Gold is just there taking it. And I, I don't know but why. But that's, that's the mystery of it, because Booster Gold is okay. there. She's there. They both have seen witness stuff. We don't know what they saw or what's happened yet. And yeah, this book's very much set up. Um, and it does have a body count, like right from the get go. It's not some big bet, like bombastic fight scene. It's just Superman surveying the damage. Like, yep, confirmed dead. Like Roy Harper, Arsenal, like Citizen Steel from like JSA. Like he's he's gone. Other characters, I don't know. But if you look, um, it's on the page where he's like flying over the farm. There's a Green Lantern there that's dead too. Uh, and I took it as is it's it's Harley saying I'm I'm broken, but I'm not the one that did this. Like, yeah, I'm nuts, but I saw you. I saw you doing it. She thinks that Booster Gold killed her. Booster Gold thinks that she she killed those people, and that's why she's attacking Booster Gold. So I, before I read this book, when this book came out, there were spoilers, and I looked at them because I was like, eh, I'm probably not going to buy this book. I didn't expect either one of you to buy this book, and you both did. Uh, but well, I know I, Paul bought it too. Um. So I was just kind of like, I read those spoilers, and I was kind of like, oh, man, so stupid. And then when I actually sat down to read this book, I actually liked it. Like, it does move along. It is like, if yeah, if you read things out of context, and you just have people tell you what's going to happen, yeah, it's not going to be as good. But with the story, actually, the way it's told, it is... It fits in that. But also if you tell, like if you just tell a random person a Spider-Man story, they're going to look at you like you're freaking nuts. You know, like it, it just doesn't add up. So when you read things out of context, it doesn't, it doesn't hit, but I am interested in this mystery and I am interested in how things are going to play out. The other thing about this book that didn't sit well with me is before this book came out, Tom King was releasing like psych profiles on characters. And I didn't agree with like any of them. Um, I didn't see any of that. So what do you mean? uh, Like he breaks down Superman and he says like Superman's got like an ego thing and blah, blah, blah. Like I'll try to find him later for you. And I thought about it beforehand, but I didn't have time to send him. Um, or try to find them, but like he does these psych profiles on these characters, and it just like 
to me and what I feel about these characters, it doesn't add up. And in some sense, if you read them, you're then seeing where Tom King's coming from with writing these stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the other thing you got to think about is Tom King, when he started writing The Vision, and when we first started write, reading The Vision, it was against what we believed in that story. Uh, same thing, kind of what what he did with Mister Miracle, but you also feel like those books are out of continuity, and then what he's doing with this book is definitely going to be in continuity. And to me, it feels really bizarre that they're really trying to do these big strides with Wally West in the Flash books, and then they kill him in this book, and it just doesn't but, seem. So same thing. On that side, had they made big strides with Wally? Because, yeah, we read Wally when they reintroduced him to continuity, but have you been keeping up on that? Well, we read, um, I don't know if we did it for the podcast, but we did that Flash annual. And he, I mean, the Flash the flash war between, with Barry and him and Zoom just ended in the Flash books. And Wally was still trying to find himself and figure out a thing. And I mean, in the, the end of that, uh, uh, annual, the flesh annual, like he calls, he calls on Dick to help him set up a new life, uh, set up a life for him where he gets him apartment in a new city. And that's going to be that flash book. Like it seems like they're really making strides to actually bring Wally into the DC world where he was just kind of in that Titans book that got canceled and then they kill him. And it's like you guys just brought him. You just you just brought him back from the death, and then you didn't do anything with him. And then you're actually starting to do something with him, and then they kill him again because it's 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 DC, and they don't like Wally West. I don't think it's the fact that they don't like him, but no, like, but everything you're talking about, like we read those books months and months and months ago, and the entire reason we liked him is like, oh, they brought back Wally West. We didn't keep up on it at all, though. Well, you said you were going to buy it, and you didn't. Yeah, and I didn't. And I didn't. And that's on me, but at the same time, like, I... I didn't keep up on it. I'm assuming maybe DC felt the same way, and that's why they were like, okay, you know what, like, we can go this way, because at that point, they, they brought him back, and from there on, it's like, okay, well, how do we just keep making this character interesting? By killing this him is again. A, well, and that's a lot more interesting, because I didn't expect to see Wally West dead as Superman's, like, floating through a house, like, reporting on uh, casualties. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's comic book, so, like, they could... This could easily be explained or undone. Oh, yeah, and it can, uh, it can, it can easily but, be undone and what it is. And I, I think having people like Wally West or Roy Harper as those casualties amongst it makes it for a better story because all the other characters that they show and even give you those little like interview interstitials with, I wouldn't care about. Like, it's done in a really good way, but at the end of the day, like, I don't even remember who those other characters were, like civilian name or superhero name. It was just someone that they snuffed off 
off page or off panel just to make it be like, no, look, see, this is a thing that happened. But I remember that Superman had to report back to Batman and Wonder Woman that, yeah, Wally's gone. Arsenal's gone. Like, that's that's important. And then I, I think the stuff that happens in the diner is really well done, too, where I don't know who to trust at this point. Maybe it has nothing to do with Booster Gold or Harley Quinn. And I think that's kind of the hook in the series for me. Paul? I just don't know what quite to feel yet. I feel like the whole setup of Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman coming together and creating these robots in Sanctuary is a little naive of them. It's like, really? You're going to create a, a, a AI program and put it in the robots to help other superheroes out. Like, everybody has to follow their own path to healing. Like, I think Batman would be like, no, I think we should get certified psychologists involved because I've seen enough crazy in my life to know that when if you don't handle these situations, PTSD and other traumatic uh, traumas well enough, Things go bad really quick, and then I have to go punch those people in the face. Really, well, I, I think that's where um, having it be like a family of robots works because you can how, pick and choose who who fits with you to tell your story to. Yeah, and like I don't even know how Batman would trust any person just to like, hey, go go listen to people. Yeah these superheroes and talk about their, their darkest moments. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know of any kind of therapist that would be like, okay, sign me up. Like, I, I think in the context of the universe, it makes sense for them to create a safe spot and people for mm-hmm. them to unload to that aren't other heroes that will be like, buck up, chum. They'll be back. Yeah. Like, Right. And in the Marvel universe, you got the Doc Samson that heroes could always go to, and you just write it off that heroes went to go see Doc Samson. Uh, Batman has Liz, uh, the doctor. Leslie Thompson? Liz, uh, Leslie yeah, Thompson. but even then, like, the whole yeah. time she's like, why do you keep doing this? Like, you shouldn't be putting people in danger. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. But she does what she has to do because she's right. she's a doctor. She's there at a clinic. And, like, he just yeah. happens to bring in, like, damaged kids. I, I, I And then he, yeah. And then, you know, I'm thinking of the Sopranos instance where Tony Soprano's sitting there talking to a therapist and he's kind of couching what he's actually going through but still talking to a therapist. I'm like, okay, that seems more reasonable than Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman coming together to create a horde of robots with their different personality traits uploaded into them. And that's But also these robots look like people, oh, so they Ultimately, they don't know that they're robots. They're Cylons? <laughs> Who knows? It's Tom King. It's, Anything it's can Tom be possible. King, I'm, I am excited to see where the story goes. I think this could be like a really cool... Uh, just character-driven story. I, it's not going to be earth-shattering, but... It's, you're going to be reading it for those character beats, like you did with... Uh, identity crisis. 
I, the one fear I have is this is a series. You remember how much of fans we were becoming of Matt Fraction? Mm-hmm. You know, for a little while there. And then Matt Fraction did uh, Siege. Was it Siege or was it free, uh, Fear Itself? Uh, Fear Itself, I think, because I think Bendis was Siege. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was Fear Itself. And then it all came crumbling down. <laughs> you know how much we've been enjoying Tom King? recently and now he's doing Heroes in Crisis uh, I'm just hoping that it all doesn't come I, I would disagree with that because Siege or For Yourself was very much like a big like oh here's a huge line wide crossover like everything's mm-hmm. spitting out of this like if you want to read Spider-Man like get ready to buy Fear Itself Spider-Man number one this okay. is much more like that's it, I don't want to say it's not big, but this is going to be more character-driven than just like editorial story-driven stuff. I think. But yeah. who knows? We'll see. We'll see. And why don't we get into the last book that Chris picked? That I imagine might be one of his favorites. Um, you might be surprised because this is uh, Sandman Universe number one, and he didn't like it. <laughs> that's okay. Nothing happens. Um, well, while this says number one, it's very much a zero issue that's kind of a launching point for the four Sandman spinoff books that are going to be coming out um, over the next year. And if you've been reading or have read, I guess, the Sandman books, this kind of picks up after everything else you've read, with Daniel being the new Sandman, even though he took over as the Sandman back in the 80s. What happened? It was decades ago. It's okay. Vertigo. Uh, But apparently he's left his position. So you're seeing the story just kind of telling the fallout from that. And this will be the launching point for four other series that we'll be getting uh, from here on out. Books of Magic, The Dreaming, House of Whispers, and another Lucifer book. And as someone who's always been a big Sandman fan, I really enjoyed jumping back into this universe. But some of these aren't the strongest prompts for a story. So I can't say I'm going to be picking up or reading all of them. But there's definitely two frontrunners here that I will be reading and buying. Um, which are you guys, you guys? Well, you guys aren't Sandman fans. Like, I don't think you've either read the full series or like the spinoff stuff. So, I kind of want to know your thoughts a little bit more than my own. Um, I, I definitely believe I read more than Paul. Uh, I think the yes. problem with the Sandman books is I tried to binge it all, and after a while, it's something that you need to take time in between. Uh, I appreciate. Neil Gaiman's Sandman I think he does his world building and everything he did was exceptional but this book is definitely for those people who love it and are to tell you these are the things coming out of it Um, I lost interest probably when the Raven was talking to the girl um, who was in somebody else's dream? Who I had no idea who she was. Uh, that, that's a new character. 
and it just it it up until then I was like, oh, there's the Pumpkinhead guy, there's there's uh, Cain and Abel, there's the librarian. Like I liked all of it, and the flow between them to let you know which book was going to be which was blurred, and I wasn't sure exactly until the Lucifer popped up. Yeah. And then after that, when it was like, this is Daniel's book, where he's standing out in the rain and nothing's hitting him. Like, even that, I was like, oh, okay, this must be the other book. Like, the lines were fairly blurred. I think the book looks gorgeous. The art in it, everything looks amazing. And I think, too, maybe if they shifted up the artist, I don't know if they did or not, but if they Uh, shifted... There was... On this book, there were four different writers and four different artists, kind okay. of all falling underneath Neil Gaiman's like executive producerness. Um, but it's just like it didn't feel like it, they they flowed really well into each other for the different artists. I guess. Agreed. It's not the book for me because I'm not enriched in these worlds, but I appreciate it. And House of Whispers is in my wish list that I may or may not pick up. Uh, I think after reading this book, the book I'd be more interested in getting would be the um, the Dreaming, which feels like it's going to be more of the characters in that world and possibly the Books of Magic because I have that I have that trade. I have a couple of those trades following following um what's his name, the young magician Tim Hunter. Tim Hunter who could be the end of the world if he goes bad. You know? oh. This book, yeah, it followed a bunch of different threads where I'm like I didn't really understand what the book was until oh, he's showing up this crow is showing up here. And then I'm like, okay, cool. They're introducing that character right now. And then he shows up the next place, and I'm like, oh, this is a zero issue. Mm-hmm. It just it felt like a zero issue. It felt like a almost like a free comic book day. Like, um, remember how Vertigo used to do like the first cut yeah. or first bite? Like that's how this book felt. And Chris, how much was it? Um, I don't. No, but it was. Oh, okay. it cost it cost one. It was either three ninety nine or four ninety nine. And I could understand if it was a dollar, maybe two dollars, because it definitely feels like a launching off point. More so, its own story. Like I really like being introduced to uh, the Pumpkinhead Jam. Merv, Merv Pumpkinhead, Merv, Merv Pumpkinhead. That's basically me. That's He's, who I. No. That's who I would be. Uh, Spoilers and you no know, look backing to the Sandman book that came out in the eighties. Murph's just like the working man that's there, just like clean up everybody's shit. And he he's a great character. I love her. I feel like that's who I would be in that world. And then you got the librarian, who's the narrator, who's interesting and kind of cool. Uh, Lucian, but but that's because he's the narrator, so we're kind of taking along on his journey. A little bit, um, along with the squirrel. I would, um, I would dispute that because 
Matthew, who's the Raven, is kind of mm-hmm. the narrator. Like oh. you're seeing him kind of go in between all the stories that will be spinning out of this into new number ones. Pick them up in September, October. Um, but Lucian used to be a Raven. It's alluded to in the actual Sandman book, and then he kind of mm-hmm. Morpheus, aka Dream, kind of like like hot or cold to people, mostly cold. But Lucian was one of the people that he kind of liked and trusted enough that I was like, okay, well, I will keep you around. And he gave him the position of being the librarian of everything that ever was and never was written. Uh, mm-hmm. Matthew the Raven is mostly, he, he's kind of uh, the Sandman's personal assistant. Like He's just there. And when Morpheus, or I'm sorry, uh, Morpheus was the old dream. When Daniel, the new dream, goes missing, he's the one that's looking for him the most. The thing is with uh, Matthew, though, is he, he even says he's feeling like he's being pulled along a string on the leash. Where, so he doesn't have much agency in the story. Like he's not making a choice. Where uh, Lucian, you know, he, he's the one making calls. He's the one actually. They're trying to do something. So I felt like Lucian was more the guy that I was rooting for than Matthew, who we were long along with the ride with. For a lot longer, you know, uh, real estate than, wise, yeah, than anyone else. Wise, but, but I'm like, no, I'm just along for the ride, and oh, I'm just being introduced. Uh, this is all zero issue stuff. The real story is happening back with Lucian, who's actually making calls. He's the he's a real protagonist, and I that's very much kind of the Sandman way of doing things, where Sandman's a story about stories, and even in the uh, original series itself, like Matthew the Raven is kind of the new guy at school. So when you do see him, you're learning things alongside of him. So he's very much that mm-hmm. point of entry character. Well, someone like he's Jubilee is he, the Jubilee to that X-Men. While Lucian, he's that guy that he's been around for a while. He knows the order of things and he'll tell you how it really is, but he's, just kind of dutiful, so he's going to do what he has to do, and you know, that's that's looking over the books. Um, this was very much a me pick in the respect that it's so based in something that I already know and love that you kind of have to have that knowledge of it. So I'm just kind of more intrigued to see how you guys felt kind of coming in fresh more than anything else. Does this make you want to check out any of those books? Um, John, I know you said the two that you wanted, but Paul, out of the uh, the four that are spinning out, The Dreaming, House of Whispers, uh, The Books of Magic, and Lucifer, anything kind of like strike you as like, oh, well, that's a thread I'd want to pick up? Uh, it would have to be The Dreaming, because I'm assuming that's where Lucian's story is actually going to be. Mm-hmm. Because and also maybe the books of magic, just because it's so. Yeah, I know people say that Harry Potter was so influenced by that. So maybe I'd want to see that. Just not because of this book, but I should go back and read the original series because of the Harry Potter tie-ins. I thought I thought we read books of magic for a trade-in policy, but I might. I could be. Wrong. I, I think I just kind of happened to 
push it off to you guys because I, I oh, read I, it. I think I bought it. Okay. I bought it on my own without uh, you. Well, you guys happen to be in luck because the two books coming out of this that I will buy that uh, Neil Gaiman will have kind of executive producer control of will be the Dreaming and the Tim Hunter book. Um, I read the original Lucifer series in trade after it came out. I didn't read the spinoff series. I haven't watched the show because somehow that became a thing. What's well, and it's totally not the book. It's really not, except in title alone. Um, but that, and then the House of Whispers, I don't have any interest in. That could change after they come out in trade, and I pick them up. But um, I really like King Mabel's characters, even though they're just kind of side bits in this. Uh, I don't see the need to add another house to the mix, but because they originally were the denizens of the House of Mystery and the House of Secrets. But I don't know, like, I I don't remember who said it, but yes, I did enjoy this book uh, more for what it sets up than what it was, though, and what I'm looking forward to is the dreaming starring Lucian and Dora, the new character that they introduced that can kind of travel between dreams and uh, the Tim Hunter stuff, because yeah, He's very much the basis for Harry Potter, where he could be the world's greatest magician and its hero or the destructor of it all. But yeah, that's what I got. All right, Chris. Power ranking. Ooh, power ranking. Okay, let me click over to my full list of books. Um, I have to say my number one as in, hey, this is the book that I'm looking forward to the most coming out of would be Heroes in Crisis. Uh, number two, Sandman Universe. Number three, Fantastic Four. Then after that, Star Wars Beckett. Then Justice League Odyssey. Then Batman Damned. And then Dick Tracy at the end. Paul? Oh, we are so opposite. Of course I'm Fantastic Four, number one, number one. Hey, I, I don't fight you on that. It was a really good book. That's, it was a good book, and it's also on brand for me. Uh, then I have to go with, I think, Dick Tracy, number one. Oh, my one. God. I, I just thought, for whatever reason, it just, it doesn't matter. It was, like, just a filler book that I just kind of enjoyed. I'm not going to read number two. It just was fun for what it was. And I don't really much care about anything else after that. Like, uh, then Star Wars Beckett, which was a fun heist, you know, kind of fun backstabby thing. Uh, not great. Again, I'm not going to read number two. Then Batman Damned. I wish it was, I wish I got it all because I think if the end pays off well, I'll like issue one more. You know, it's like one of those books. Like, if you see how it ends, it makes the rest of the story better. Um, and if it has a really bad ending, then you would just, like, throw it away. Like, again, I'm not that interested in seeing issue two. Uh, Sandman Universe, there's some issues that I might want to pick up, but I probably won't. I'll probably read Chris's what, Chris's books when he picks them up. Already about dreaming number one. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And then Justice League Odyssey. Which I really, really 
really don't care about. And oh, I didn't even say Heroes in Crisis because yeah, let me go. Let guys wake me up when credits roll on that one because I don't know what to think about it. So there's my picks, John. Uh, Hero in Crisis, then Fantastic Four, then Dick Tracy. Then Beckett. Then Justice League Odyssey. Then uh, Sandman Universe. And then Damned. Wow. So we're, some of us, uh, some of them mimic each other, and some of them <laughs> just totally out there. Um, and I, I kind of looked at it the same way. Like, I, I would, out of all of these books, I would probably buy hero and crisis number two over everything and then whatever then i'd probably be more interested in reading the fantastic four issue two over anything else so that's why those are the number one and number two for me fantastic four is a solid book like it's something i want to know more about it just wasn't like as big and bombastic as the rest of them that's why it was kind of like on my list i don't want to sound like i didn't like it paul no, it, it does play it safe. It plays into the Fantastic Four formula, but man, I just love that formula so much. It's, it's a good formula. You know, it works. It's like running the ball down the middle. Just, just it, do it. It was one of those moments where I was like, Johnny has roommate? Uh, of course Johnny would have roommate. <laughs> and like, I just kept going it with is. it. Why? Yeah. All right. And uh, if you enjoyed this episode of the Bagnum Boardcast, we appreciate that you like it by liking it on face, liking us on Facebook at Bagnum Board, liking us on Twitter, liking, uh, liking iTunes us reviews. by leaving us our reviews. Yeah, we love those. Uh, also, review. Is there a new one, John? Uh, review us. Yeah, you're, you're a yeah, producer. The, the latest episode uh, from uh, three weeks, four weeks back is up. No, no. I'm asking if there's a new iTunes review. Oh, I don't know. I don't have iTunes. I don't either. You're the you're the producer. You're supposed I to. I don't have. I don't. I this. don't have it on anything. I don't listen to anything on iTunes anymore. Uh, I listen on different. I have two different podcast apps that I listen on, and I rate and review people over there on Podcast Attic and Stitcher, uh, and wherever you listen to us, find us and review us there because it does help other people find the show and it helps us uh we also love reading those reviews uh i'm hoping while i'm talking paul's looking up to see if there's any new itunes reviews i'm, I'm looking that up and right now i yes. imagine there are not any uh but please uh where you do find us let us know uh we enjoy hearing from our listeners and uh chris i shared it there is the teaser trailer for aladdin that just oh, came that, up. That wasn't out earlier. Okay, that's really cool. That just happened um, while we recorded. Dang, uh, I need to watch that. Yeah, uh, it's not. It's nothing. I, I'm okay with that because I still want to see it. I don't um, think Will Smith should be the genie. I, I don't think he should, but I will wait patiently to see what happens. I will say also, hey, rate and reviews over on iTunes. I know we already mentioned that. Uh, it's been it's, four years. Since it's been we got four the last years, review. but. We're really highly rated, so hey, thanks everyone that has rated us. 
We have 26 five stars and three. Yeah, one of those threes is I Chris's. Too. Yeah, one of those was me. Stars. One of those was me because I was like, oh, we could do better. <laughs> but I, I mentioned this to John before. Uh, Paul, you were on the show at that point, or on the call at least. I'm making a renewed effort to keep up on things, so show notes will be posted a little bit more timely. Uh, make sure you're following us and in, uh, you know interacting with us over on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook because I'm going to make a more concerned effort about paying attention to that kind of stuff. And I also found a new program or app to do the show notes and uh, episode artwork in. And I think it looks pretty classy. So check it out. 